September 7th, 1997. Mo Money Mo Problems was all over the radio, prompting thousands of white kids to wonder if they could sing along to the N-word. Fire Down Below topped the box office, and summer blockbuster season ended faster than you could say Steven Seagal's environmental action thriller. Around the world, millions nursed their hangovers from the funeral for Princess Diana drinking game. Meanwhile, in Louisville, Kentucky, The Undertaker looked to bury Shawn Michaels at ground zero in your house. I want you to blow it out your ass. This is Hell in a Cell Phone. Welcome to another episode of Hell in a Cell Phone, the podcast where we attempt to make sense of the Attitude Era of WWE 20 years later. It's September 1997, a new school year has begun. Bobby Hankinson, what grade are you going into? I'm going to seventh grade, which will be, to this day, my least favorite year of school ever. Period. Full stop. Full stop. Yep, seventh grade was the worst. I, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, high school was a nightmare for this guy. Yeah, no, high school was, it wasn't really a nightmare. I mean, it was a nightmare to live in the suburbs and that was terrible, but I was like, by that point, like a fully realized punk rock kid and didn't give a fuck, so that no one could really fucks with me because I was unfuckstable with. <laughs> so, well, but seventh with grade. lines like that, I don't know how they didn't. <laughs> seventh grade, I was still very fuckable with, uh, and I was like still trying to be like one of the popular kids. Not even, let's not even get there. I was trying not to embarrass myself <laughs> in front of the popular kids. So what happened? Um, I bought a lot of Fila kind of like soccer and Adidas like soccer-y kind of like shirts and jerseys, but as was the style of the time. Um, now, mind you, earlier today I sent a text message to our group text I, that says... I cannot believe we're bringing this up here. <laughs> U.S. is up one nothing on Sweden in the first 2 minute 30. And Bobby was so confused by this text. I knew what it... I was like, well, what is this referring to? And also, why are you sending it to me? I don't care. I don't. I, I know it's a sport thing, but truly, I'm like, I don't know what sport it is. I don't know if that's impressive. I don't know what that means. I don't care. But back then, in your attempt to be cool, plenty of soccer wear. Plenty of soccer wear, for sure. Uh-huh. I for sure was, like, dressing as if I knew exactly what you were talking about. Um, but I for sure did not. I was listening to... Uh, a lot of uh, Puff Daddy, as he was known at the time, mm-hmm. um, and Mace. and the family, and yeah, the whole the whole fam um, was very into that. And uh, trying, I got invited to one very cool party by mistake, and I literally treated it as if it was like an episode of like TGIF ABC. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to a party. What am I going to wear at the party? It's a party with the cool kids. Like I was like so overwhelmed by it, like what was going to happen there, and ended up being very boring, and nothing happened. So why was seventh grade though the worst year? Um, I just think I was the most unhappy. I don't know why. I just, I feel like everyone was like going through changes and it was just like weird and awkward. I didn't know. Like, and I was just like, I know I'm miserable, but don't know why. Or yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, I was pretty unhappy during seventh grade myself. Yeah. It was a shitty seventh year. Seventh grade is just a bad year all around. I also had all terrible teachers um, and my teachers all hated me, which you would think is strange because like, I was always a very good, like overachieving student. But literally one of my teachers told my mom at parent-teacher conferences that she says a prayer for my parents each night because they thought I was that much of a horrible student. Even though I was in all honors classes, got great <laughs> grades, but I just talked a lot in class. And that like little, and, and it's not, like the worst, most like trunchbull, like the... Uh, babysitter from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead type teachers. And that also made it shitty, too. I had, like, literally wall-to-wall shitty teachers. Well, I'm glad you made it. But I did have I did have my friends 
my wrestle buddies to keep me company. <laughs> we also got Eric Silver, and you were going into your senior year, if I'm doing the math right. Oh, by the way, I'm on the podcast too. Hi guys. <laughs> oh, hi. Uh, welcome to uh, Bobby's. No, now it's Bobby's Eric, middle school. This now is my regression Eric's therapy. Yeah. No, Bobby, you quiet now. Eric's turn. <laughs> I I was quiet because no one even acknowledged my existence. Um, what was your question? <laughs> senior year, right, Eric? It was, well, if it was, let's see, we're talking, this is September? September of 1997. Yeah, it was senior year. Yeah, things were great. My math is right. I could drive. Um, Did you have a car? Yeah. I had, I drove a, a Nissan Sentra hatchback. It was like, so I was the the, the first to drive among my friends um, December who, birthday, exactly. December birthday. So I was the like, one good thing that came with a December birthday. It's it's it, yeah. It's you actually could drink really earliest good. and you could drive earliest. Yes, I was I was uh, ahead of the game as as it were. So like any you know like in senior year, all of the people who could drive before have graduated. So now I'm the king of the hill. <laughs> uh, and of course, when you have a hatchback and it's a two seater, your friends, even though they're getting rides all the time. Will spend their entire time bitching about having to climb into a hatchback and into a you know into the back seat of a two door car, um, but I, it didn't matter. I was doing great. Uh, I'm sure that some like violent fights erupted over shotgun rules. Um, I don't think I had those kinds of friends. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we had any violent friends. I think it was just kind of like people would like bitch each other out, and that would be it. But. Um, the thing that car was great because the speedometer was definitely broken at one point, so it looked like I was doing like taking like a left turn, doing eighty. Um, okay, it was great. I don't know. It was actually it was like a it was a shit car that I had to roll the windows down on. It definitely didn't have air conditioning, but it was like one of the most reliable cars I've ever had. And the car that replaced it was a piece of shit. That like literally one day I was going to school in the morning in college. I closed the door and the entire rear windshield shattered. <laughs> and I was like, like, and it was as like, though, as though, like, uh, somebody yelled at you in a music video. Yeah, kind of. yeah. I like, I like, I saw it through the through the through the rear view. The it's rear like view. Some Parker Lewis mirror. can't lose shit. Yeah, I, I like, I like, close the door and then I just see in the rear view mirror everything just goes. And I was like, what the fuck just happened? Plus, it was raining that day. That was also a hatchback, so it was a bigger windshield. Ugh. <laughs> It was that was terrible. That was an Eagle Talon, and well, they're not made anymore, and there's a reason. I had a friend who had an Eagle Talon when I was in high school who drove that car. It's a lot like a Mitsubishi Eclipse. It's got the flip uh, headlights. Yeah, it looks really cool, and it got me a lot of speeding tickets. So yeah, it goes very car. fast, right? It was a very fast car. I feel it like. goes fast, but also it looks fast, and mm. so every radar gun would point at me. Like I used to drive my parents' like Honda Civic, which you know it was just like a normal sedan, just looks whatever, and I could do like a hundred going back and forth to college. Nobody would look at me. When I was going 75 in an Eagle Talon, every cop, every cop was like, let me get that guy. I got like three tickets in one drive up to college once, which is terrible. I was going into sophomore year myself, and this would uh, set the stage for the rest of my high school career. First, first, I joined two different clubs when I was in my sophomore year. The first one I was forced to join, that was the sailing club. You were forced oh, to join the sailing club? I, was... I would love that. Okay, that, well, good for you. My my parents had just bought a sailboat. Which, oh, for fuck's sake. Well, I mean, we lived in Maryland and close enough to... I went to high school in Annapolis, so you're basically issued one at some point. 
Um, but the first time we took it out, we like the headwinds were too strong, so we had to, we wound up making it halfway across the bay, trying to move it to another marina. Had to turn around, and then I was like, no, nope, this isn't for me. You have to get up early. You have to and but I was still uh, press ganged into joining the the high school sailing club. This was one of those um, episodes on season four of The Wire, right? Where it was like the mean inner city schools and how they all had to eventually. Join They're the all just like club. blowing lines of old bay and just. <laughs> no, right, this, like, was, this was season two. Dog, we go by the ports. <laughs> dog, that sailing club. <laughs> well, you know, because it's school. That's what I meant. But I was I was a bad captain, but I was a decent crewman, basically. Bad captain sounds like a really good. Who's who's saying? Um, like I'm your captain, I'm your captain, but I'm feeling mighty sick. I must not know that song because, as we all know, Eric Silver has perfect pitch. Yes. Perfect yes. pitch. Uh, I'm gonna look at my um, Coke and '70s mix and find it. Okay. Um, but I also joined the drama club, which fit a whole lot better. As Much far more as on brand. Much is. more on brand. Uh, first play we'd be doing that year. You can't take it with you. I played Mr. Kirby because I know you're all dying to know. What, what's mm. you can't take it with you? I never even heard of it. Can't take it with you is like an, uh, a 1920s. Um, it's like Hart and Kaufman. It's about this eccentric family um, who the daughter is uh, the daughter is going to marry the son of a important businessman and. The, the two worlds don't clash. I was the important businessman in this scenario. Okay. By the way, it was I'm Your Captain slash Closer to Home by Grand Funk Railroad. Oh. All right. Stay tuned. We have a two for Tuesday coming up. <laughs> no, we don't. Taking you first to August 4th, uh, Monday Night Raw, immediately following the last pay-per-view that we did, which was... What was that even called? SummerSlam? SummerSlam. Summer- yeah. <laughs> SummerSlam. <laughs> you know, this this obscure little pay-per-view. <laughs> so immediately following SummerSlam, we know now Shawn Michaels has screwed over The Undertaker as the, as the special guest referee, got spit in the face by Bret Hart, and nailed Undertaker with a chair when Bret Hart ducks out of the way and then makes the three count afterwards. So the next day, JR and these JR interview segments are really good. Yeah, they are. Yep. Uh, JR is interviewing the entire Hart Foundation. Um, plus, Brian Pillman is coming out holding a slammy, I think, just because he needed to hold something. <laughs> Everyone else needed to hold something. Uh, Jim the Anvil Nyhart is not there, so I'm not sure whether his goatee still is still intact. That's or what not. I was actually curious about. That was a, a leftover. I have it as leftover topic from last episode. They didn't have a, a Nyhart match. For the goatee, when was that supposed it to be? It was going to be if anyone if lost. Anyone lost. If anyone in the Hart Foundation lost, Neidhart was going to have to shave off his goatee. Oh, he wasn't even wrestling. Nope. No. What a weird stake. Yeah, which was not enforced. <laughs> yeah. So where's Neidhart at this time? Yeah, I really don't know why Jim Neidhart wasn't there. Actually, if you look, I mean, he's like pops up again over the coming months. So it's not like he's gone. I don't think he's injured because he hasn't been really wrestling. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe there's like weren't one. He was just to super protective of his goatee. Maybe he, was like, he, he actually was like, "I will not wrestle will until he goes not. back." Shave my goatee, my ass. I will not shave my goatee. That's a real, it's a real Twitter joke that made it into the <laughs> Listen, pod. It's still funny. It is still funny. 
Um, Brett the Hitman Hart, proud of everybody, proud of the Bulldog, says Owen showed compassion and got screwed because of American justice. He's happy that he turned Austin into a crippled freak. Yeah, I was saying, uh, Owen is basically saying true things, except for the crippled freak part, which is, A, I guess not right, but also mean. Yeah. Um, I can't imagine Owen feels good as he's saying any of those lines either. Like, this is less than... 24 hours after it happened yeah yeah this is definitely bad i mean my big takeaway from this promo though that i could not get over is like them talking about brian pimmel wearing a dress and being so mad about it and everyone being like he's not gonna wear a stupid dress it's stupid (laughs) dresses are stupid he's not wearing a stupid dress for stupid girl dresses stupid i was like what it was like a very weird reaction to a dress there were a few things in this promo that i thought were interesting uh, Brett starts by saying, they say you're supposed to suffer for your crimes. Well, if you're not suffering, maybe it wasn't a crime. And I don't think he understands cause and effect. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, you're supposed to suffer, meaning he should, he, he should be punished for his crimes. But, like, not like, you know, well, crime's not supposed to make you feel good afterwards. If I feel good, then I guess I didn't commit a crime. That's not... No, every bank robber immediately stubs their toe on the way out. It's <laughs> like, ah, the suffering. Damn, I, now I know I've done something wrong. Uh, then also, when Brett spoke about The Undertaker, he goes, you know, etc., etc. I was, I was uh, fighting against the man from the dark side, a man that's from the devil and death and despair. And I was like, as he was kind of going through that, I felt like that summed up my inability to fully understand The Undertaker's gimmick. It's <laughs> like death and despair and ravens and, and Edgar Allan Poe. Eric still wants graves. to know what the urn means. Yeah, like Invader <laughs> Zim t shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and darkness and, and thunder and lightning. The, way they lightning. the yeah. nightmare before Christmas. Uh, Oogie Boogie. And, 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 and the creatures of the night. And Andrew Lloyd Webber. And Edward Gorey books. <laughs> Are we just going through like the skew list of hot topic? Or is that, okay, okay, just making sure. I think that's the game. Uh, I also wondered, how is Austin up and walking? How is he well, not? Well, hold on. Austin's okay, not there okay, yet. Okay, because yeah. first, we get a new character into our list of players here. Sergeant Slaughter is the new commissioner of the WWF. And I thought that there would be like more buildup and like, but it's just like... And the new commissioner's here, and it's Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter! Well, it's very... I mean, like, this is such a turning point where, like, I know we are just, like, overwhelmed with too much, like, authority figures and blah, blah, blah in contemporary wrestling. But, like, this is really the turn. Because before Gorilla Monsoon in charge was almost more like how William Regal runs NXT. Like, he was... So Monsoon would just show up and be like, Ah, you're facing each other at war games! Yeah, <laughs> main event tonight! Everyone who's in the ring talking now! Um, this is the first time where he's, like, an author... I, it might not be 100% accurate, but definitely was the first of, like, as we understand, sort of, like, authority figure as the enemy, as someone we make fun of, and as someone uh, yeah, used the to audience be just, is against. Used to be just Jack Tunney would have a pre-taped thing. That... Yeah. So this was, this was, a, big, this was a big turn. Though I guess w- and WCW, honestly, is probably who gets the credit for having Bischoff and NWO and all those people kind of making the authority figures. Was Bischoff on screen at this point? I'm not, I can't confirm that. I imagine he was, though. Okay. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen Eric Bischoff. I really... You will. He comes to WWE eventually. Wow. Okay. Well, it'll be interesting. But Sergeant Slaughter's great, like, right off the bat, you know? Um, 
So question about Slaughter. Yeah. I am familiar with Slaughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming you guys saw him wrestle back in the day. Yeah, I mean, my major thing that I... Well, actually, I have a... When I was taking karate as a kid, when I was the karate kid... For sure, um, sure, same, same. They, we had, like, some kind of exhibit karate exhibition that Sergeant Slaughter was at, and I got a, an 8x10 picture, but I was not allowed to wait in line to get his autograph because we had some other thing that we had to get to that day. Wow. But what could my, you possibly have been doing that was more important than that? I, I can't imagine. I don't Probably know. going to a concert for free because of his father. Oh, what was like, it? Jingle ball or whatever. You were no, this was, this was, I had boat practice guys. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this was when I was in a broken home in Connecticut. Thank you very much. So I don't know. Sometimes, uh, the more we learn about Aaron's childhood, the more I realize he's the 1% and we should be <laughs> chop, chop, You chop. had a car. You had two cars. <laughs> I had a car that we paid like $1,300 for. Aaron's okay. like, I was taking karate lessons that I had to take the cardigan off of my shoulders <laughs> to perform. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. My, my teammates asked me to break this guy's leg in the tournament. Well, it was at the Cobra so Kai I swept dojo. his leg. <laughs> I swept his leg. I don't know. I felt bad afterwards. The other thing I remember from Sergeant Slaughter as a kid is obviously the G.I. Joe movie where uh, Flint was sent to him to toughen him up after he was responsible Not for Duke's Flint. death. Not Flint. It wasn't? No, Flint was um, was actually a, a main character uh, for for like all of um, G.I. Joe. It was Duke's brother whose name was like... He was voiced by Don Johnson. His name was fuck was his name it was definitely not flint let's see are we looking it up oh um so it was falcon lieutenant falcon okay oh flint was like the general not right? the general that was hawk oh no general oh what are we doing <laughs> this is exactly what we do welcome on this to g.i so joe what you're talking about uh but flint looked a lot like falcon didn't he yeah, okay, so, okay, it was General Hawk. Um, General Hawk always wore, like, a, a military police helmet. I don't know why, and he always wore, like, a leather jacket. Um, that sounds like gay fetish wear. <laughs> Flint was, like, a green beret. Okay. Flint always had a beret. Uh, he might have been the French one. And then Falcon was Duke's brother who showed up just for the, the G.I. Joe movie, and, and he was responsible for Serpentor escaping for custody. No, um, Cobra Commander. Do you? I have the. I have I'm the DVD. I'm pretty sure there. it was Serpentor. It Let's put it on. Oh no! You, you know what? You might. I think you're right. It was Serpentor. It was the Cobra. Because Cobra Law shows Cobra, up. Cobra. Yeah, la, yeah, la, yeah, yeah. I've seen this movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah but anyway, not well so, enough. So Sergeant Slaughter was the one who was responsible for like rehabbing him and whipping him into shape. It was his basic training uh, boot camp. And the other thing I remember is when Ultimate Warrior and Hulk Hogan faced um, faced Sergeant Slaughter with Colonel Mustafa and General Adnan. One of them was a repackaged Iron Sheik at the height of the Gulf War. Yeah, right. You, you mentioned that before. And Sergeant Slaughter played an Iraq War sympathizer. The only thing I know about Sergeant Slaughter, I mean, the only real, I mean, I, I think I sort of saw him like doing something with the Iron Sheik. I don't even remember. I remember him mostly from the WWF um, Superstars cartoon. Mm-hmm. I think he was in that. Yeah. And then I also remember him from G.I. Joe, and I had his G.I. Joe. I still have it somewhere. 
Go get it. This is just gonna go. <laughs> I it's in my bed. <laughs> this is just gonna go back and forth for who had a more privileged upbringing at this point. Because I had a GI Joe. Because you had that GI Joe. Well, I will say that my just basement was not even finished at this age. So let me ask you this, Eric. Did you have the aircraft carrier? No, absolutely not. Okay, that Did well, you? I mean, that's, no, because that's the ultimate test. No, right rich there. people had the aircraft. That's what carrier. I'm saying. <laughs> I had like the general, which was like a giant truck. I don't know. Later on, yeah, okay, it wasn't we're... that big. <laughs> I had some things. I you know I put my money toward the right places. I made good sound investments. Okay, anyway. Remember when Eric thought we wouldn't be able to get 80 minutes out of this? We are on the first segment of the first Raw before the pay-per-view even starts. For fuck's sake. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so uh, Sergeant Slaughter is the, or we should call him, what is it? Commissioner Commissioner. Slaughter. That that was an ongoing thing, I think, in every Raw was they kept referring to him as Sergeant Slaughter. I mean, you mean mean Commissioner Slaughter. Which is actually a demotion, I think. What? Come again? <laughs> this is a, a joke on rank, Eric. What did you say, though? You, you said it's an emotion? Oh, you said demotion. Yes. Well, I thought you said emotion, cut and it. that's what I thought it was Cut weird. it, cut it, cut it. So Slaughter comes in, throwing around orders. Brett will face the Patriot at ground zero. Brian Pillman wear, will wear a dress. And holy shit, Austin is here. And the pop when Austin shows up is deafening. Austin is here less than 24 hours after he didn't technically break his fucking neck. But for all intents and purposes, he broke his fucking neck. I mean, like, the fact that he's there and not in traction is shocking. And, like, this is the kind of thing where they talk about wrestling being unsafe and how they treat the wrestlers like garbage. Like, I cannot think of a more, like, crystalline perfect example of, like, we cannot stand and not have you on television for a week because you are the biggest star in the company, even though you were truly, literally paralyzed less than 24 hours ago. We need you not only on set, we need you to be standing, we need you to not wear any kind of protective thing or do anything to protect your body, and then we also need you to get physical at some point in the show. Like, that is bonkers. You think if they rolled him out in one of those stabilizers? Like Hannibal Lecter? (laughs) They should actually just bring him out like Hannibal Lecter? with, With Vader's mask? No, he shouldn't uh, be there at all. I mean, no, like, he shouldn't be there. If, if, Ale- that, if that had happened, like, last week, it would have been There's no different. way. If they think Alexa Bliss might have a concussion, she's not wrestling for months. I mean, yeah. like, that's... I mean, not, not that I'm giving them so much praise for how they handle people today, but compared to this, yeah. it's a goddamn fucking luxury spa. Yeah. Yeah. Austin has spinal shock syndrome. Uh, Which sounds like, he left, it sounds like he left a tampon in too long. <laughs> Also known as a stinger. Um, And not only is he there that night, but he shows up during the main event of that show and gives Owen a stunner. Which, I mean, having someone that close to his neck is just mind-boggling. And also, like, the stunner is a move the way that he lands on his tailbone. But I can't imagine that there's not, like, compression and, like, you know, shock to the spine. Just in general. It probably does not help any of your yeah it doesn't help anything in your spinal column to be doing any landing on anything or wrestling to wrestle you should not wrestle mind you i'm also guessing austin was like fuck it i'm gonna wrestle oh i'm sure that he wasn't like doing this begrudgingly but someone should have had a a more sense about them to be like this is a bad idea steve you're gonna ruin you're gonna shorten your career like this 
So I guess we should talk about the actual pay-per-view that we're here to talk about. I don't know. I'm I was going having to fun with the G.I. Is... Joe movie. So Ground Zero in your house. Um, the opening package for this one here, one of the most respected stars in sports entertainment history. And, and this was just like four weeks ago that he was one of the most respected stars in sports entertainment history. Shit changes real quick in the WWF. Not only that, but I this package is great. Another great package, I think, setting up this. It's the first time they're meeting. And we, even in, in retrospect... Them being Sean and The Undertaker. Yes. In retrospect, we know that that's a big deal. But even at the time, they knew that. Because they both have been in the company for so long. Yeah. So like the fact they haven't wrestled one-on-one in a pay-per-view like this before was huge already. Yeah, Not I was even, wondering about that, actually. Like, it's, like, if it had happened once before. No, and we look back at... You know, we, when we talk about, like, Rock... And, and Rocky's matches now with Triple H or Mankind and Triple H and how we know with the benefit of hindsight that we're watching these Hall of Famers. And at the, but at the time, no, no one realized and everyone thought that it was fine. Right. Um, but this is one of the ones where everyone is like psyched and crazy. But when you think this is... I, I remember as a kid being so truly upset by a lot of this stuff because I was a huge Shawn Michaels fan. I didn't want him to be a bad guy. I didn't like this some like the things they were doing. But watching this back, this is such an expertly executed heel turn, the likes of which we have never seen. I mean, yeah, I mean, since. so I, I actually, um, I, I broke with tradition on this podcast and I watched every single Raw in between because I, I made the conscious decision just kind of saying, you know what, like, I think the Raws are getting better and it seemed like I was missing a lot. And from what I was seeing, I definitely feel like I would have missed a lot if I hadn't watched it. Um, it was like I have in my notes. Like, is this is this like Shawn Michaels having a heel turn? Like, because you know there were these like little things um, where his responses to stuff, and then especially um, what I have was I I really enjoyed kind of like all of the fan interviews. Yes, I was gonna say that the marks the marks that they interviewed made that storyline. Yes, because yes. it's very easy. It could have been very easy to say, well, you know. Uh, Shawn Michaels, you know, he he didn't mean to hit the Undertaker. He was just doing his job. He had to he had to be a, a down the middle, you know, ref. He had to count even if he didn't want to. Um, so like, it's very easy to to you know to forgive what Shawn did. But the fact that a lot of people's reactions were like, Shawn, you know, you're an asshole. You t- you've turned. You've changed. Like you betrayed everything was really like everything they needed to just take off with this. The amount of pieces that they expertly put together here is so impressive. Like the way they built the stipulation so Shawn Michaels had to follow through and count, where in so many ways today he would do it begrudgingly, but in your head, like you'd have to spend disbelief to be like, why didn't he just not? Like mm-hmm. they just don't think that far through. They considered every aspect of this. And not only were they turning him, they were uh, ruining, shortening the, the title reign of The Undertaker, who's probably up with Austin is like the most beloved superstar in the company, yeah, like by fans, like beloved they're shortening his son. I know that, but they're giving it to Bret Hart, who is on the other side, the most hated top heel in the company. Right. And, and to go along with that, there is zero Bret in this opening package. There is zero Austin in this opening package. It is all about Sean and the undertaker. Yeah. And, and well, I know we'll get, we'll get to it. We'll get to it later, but I, I do feel like this package set things up beautifully. And I think the main event delivered on the promise of this. So opening. starting off our first three hour in your house Woo! and our first non numbered in your house, 
We've got Brian Pillman versus Goldust. And in order to explain this, we got to go back to the Raws. Sergeant Slaughter has ordered Brian Pillman that he is going to not only wear that dress, but he's going to wear that dress every week on Raw until he is able to beat somebody. Now, I want a point of order and go back even further than that. That I'm not sure if they made it clear in the Raws, or at least in the segments that we were that I was watching in between, um, that even predating all this, Brian Pillman was known as one of the best wrestlers on earth. Right. He had classics with uh, Justin Liger, and like that people I, I, I want to look up. I was like reading about it. And I was like, shit, I, have, I didn't see those, but they're supposed to be great. I'd only ever seen Brian Pillman in this state, and he's bad. Um, he's like, his body is just like completely destroyed. Also, uh, Terry Marlena and Brian Pillman actually did really date um, in WCW before she was with Golda. So that I think that they adds did, a, really? yeah. So I think that adds a layer to this that I'm not sure was clear in what we watched, but they were actually they were a real item. There was a real thing, which I think uh, which I think enhances the story a lot. And I'm not sure if at least in what we watched, it wasn't clear. So Pillman is there in a dress week after week and. Goldust and Marlena are making sport of getting him disqualified, uh, making him um, keep him outside of the ring so he gets the count out, and losing all these victories on screwy finishes, even when it looks like he's about to win, and have this stipulation that he hates more than anything else. Having to wear a dress, and not only having to wear a dress, but wear a dress in front of these freaks who think it's so funny to see a man in a dress. By the way, they also they pull a Chuck Berry and uh, put a, a camera in the dressing room, which was you know, the Frank Gifford cam. And I like for the life of me cannot remember what Frank Gifford did. What was the? And I what keep was combining scandal? Frank Gifford. I, I think I think of Marv Albert. And I think of I'm like, what did Frank Gifford do? Did he wear a dress? Did he have a hidden camera? What What did Frank Gifford do? First, I want to say Brian Pullman was pulling off every single one of those dresses that he was wearing. They were all very flattering, considering that a lot of them are very ugly, but he made it work. Second, he, they said nothing about him having to wear anything underneath them, but he's definitely wearing bloomers at one point. Oh, yes. Third, the thing of him wearing the video, or, sorry, third, the thing of him on the video, when he is putting on the dress, it's like watching one of those infomercials where somebody has to, like, I don't know, uh, take a hose and wrap it up or move a whole bunch of dishes at the same time. Like, the, there's got to be a better way. He is pulling down his pants before he takes his shoes off. The dress is tugging at at every single angle. I thought he was going to, like, be near the edge of a cliff and just kind of, like, hop up and down as he, like, slowly <laughs> makes his way over. He was wearing, I thought, very cute, uh, like, not of the time period underwear. It wasn't yeah, like a cute bloomers. Little... No, no, but while he was changing into the dress. Oh, oh He was oh. wearing like a cute little black like trunk up boxer brief, which I thought was cute. And I, and I did, but did not think it was a style of the time. Everyone was wearing boxer shorts. Or or maybe just tidy whities or whatever. I, but I feel like most of the cool kids are wearing boxer yeah. shorts. Joe Boxer with like a big smiley face. By the way, um, what happened to Frank Gifford, if you would like to. I also pulled the... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sad. The research department has come back to me uh, apparently a tabloid magazine arranged to have Gifford secretly videotape being seduced by a former flight attendant in a New York City hotel room. Like it was a sting operation. It was yeah, a setup. It was that's entrapment. a weird entrapment thing. I guess because they just knew he was into flight attendants and they're like, let's get him with one. Or just probably women. They were just trying to get him in a dress, is really what it is. <laughs> and 
Well, Frank Gifford had to uh, broadcast un- in a dress until he was beaten in the broadcasting booth. <laughs> Till the end of the trial. And yeah. that's when, yeah. So there's definitely a transphobic angle to this here, right? Um, I don't think it's transphobic as much as it's toxic masculinity. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't think it's necessarily transphobic. I mean, there's lots of fucking problematic shit that happens in the sub- in the weeks we watched in this before this recording, but uh, this one just rang as, as sort of like shitty toxic masculinity. It's just like, yeah, it's like, uh, oh man, the most humiliating thing you could do to a man is put him in a dress. Yeah, stupid dress. So it gets to the point where Pillman is fed up, says, one more match between me and Goldust... If Goldust wins, Pillman is leaving the company. If Pillman wins, Marlena will be his assistant for the next 30 days. So the interesting thing about that is all of a sudden, to hit on what Bobby was talking about with uh, Pillman and Marlena's uh, history, Pillman just comes out of nowhere and says, your daughter, Dakota Dust. (laughs) (laughs) Dakota Dust. Dakota Ronalds? Dakota Yeah, uh, uh, Ronalds. D- Dakota Ronalds is, uh, is mine. And obviously they all freak out. But like for me, that just came out of left field because I was like, oh, he's just like, I guess, I guess Pillman had, t- had spoken a few times about how he was going to get into Marlena's dress yeah. and all that stuff. And I was like, all right, maybe this is just like raping, pillaging Brian Pillman, who we met in the first episode. And that's just what he's going to say. So this just felt like a weird heightening just to be like, and your daughter's mine. She's actually my daughter. But to hear the background of they actually dated makes it a little bit more interesting. Yeah, I don't think it was until the actual pay-per-view that they brought up anything about their history. Did they actually say it in the, yeah. in the pay-per-view? They did. It was a, but it was an offhanded comment that if you did... That's why I think they may have brought it up sooner. I feel they might have brought it up, but not, but not in the Raws we watched, but maybe in the Raws before their other match, maybe? I'm just trying to think because I feel like it was... I feel like I knew it when I watched it the first time. But at this pay-per-view, I feel like they made a reference to it as if we already knew. I thought I, I was getting a real um, Jerry Springer vibe from this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... I mean, I'm just going to make my prediction now. There's going to be a paternity test. There's a, This is a hard one to predict, so I wouldn't bother. Okay. But um, you are right in, in noting that Vince Russo, who's one of the writers now, who's responsible for like this turn, this attitude era, this Shades of Grey people, sure. is one of his things is pulling from daytime soap operas and your Jerry Springer's, your Maury Povich's, your Montel Williams. Like that literally was part of what fueled the attitude era. Like that was those were literally like referenced Got it. pieces. And because in '97, this is like Jerry Springer. I feel like is like when didn't this movie come out? I feel that Jerry Springer movie that was terrible. It was like the this was like the height of Jerry Springer. Wait, I Jerry feel Springer like. movie? Yeah, there was yeah, a movie. He, I saw he, it in theaters. I remember. Well, I remember the Rodney Dangerfield movie where he basically played yeah. Jerry Springer back in school. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know where he played Jerry Springer. I think it was, was called um, Ladybugs. Meet Wally Sparks or something like that. It was called The Ringmaster. It came out in 1998. Yes, this I do was the um, Jamie Priestley was in it. It's it's it was a real movie. I mean, like <laughs> it was a movie that it had no, but like, it came out in theaters, and I don't think it did. It wasn't like a huge flop, but it was like the big this heat. I feel like this like peak Jerry Springer. Was it fiction? pop culturally? Yes. Yeah. Like full fiction. Yes. Okay. In the style of, though, a Jerry Springer episode with the kinds of people that were there. But it was essentially all fiction. And Jamie Presley, she'll do, like, any Well, this was pre-My Name is Earl and things like that. So I feel like, whatever. Anyway. So we're here tonight in Louisville, Kentucky at the Indecent Proposal Match. 
um, where before the match they talk about the innocence of a marriage, and with these two, that's kind of a stretch. Yeah, um, Goldust was innocent... licking Ahmed Johnson. That's true. <laughs> Any innocent marriage in which you have your third as a bellhop who delivers <laughs> the messages to your foes. Wait, just can like we, can any we, marriage. Can we briefly? I mean, the pyros stuck out to me in this only because, and I actually wrote it. I'm like, well, now this is a segment in my notes. Is pyro? <laughs> um, it look. I was like, how does the in your house set not catch fire? <laughs> yeah. I feel like part of it did at one point when I was. Well, we can talk about it later. But there was a point where they were they were wrestling on like the stage. This yeah. is not this match, but a later match. Um, and you could see like burn marks, and I was like, "What happened here? Did something go wrong? Or is that supposed to look like that?" And I don't know. Like we very... saw it. We saw what happened. It's crazy. It was like they were. I did. It may have been this, or it may have been a raw where it looked like they literally shot like a, a rocket propelled grenade that like went like, and then like landed. And oh then, yeah, no, one hundred percent. There will be so much. One hundred percent. Okay, uh, back to but back to the the um, innocence of their marriage. Yes, the innocence, the innocent marriage. So this is. I think this is a good match. I think this is a fine match. I wrote okay. this was fine. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I So, okay. I thought it was nothing special. I basically wrote, I knew there would be a screwy finish. Oh, I the the note I had as, as, gold, as they were beginning the match, though, was, I wish they had embraced this red-blooded straight family man storyline after Goldust got implants. <laughs> it would have been great if they're like if he's like kissing his wife Eric his Eric boobs. a family could look like anything that's true that's true <laughs> families families don't have a shape um I really I just I hate when Jerry Lawler like gets like gets something in his mouth and like can't let it go like mm-hmm. a like a dog with a bone and that's with Marlena and this it just kept coming like she's been around more times than a carousel she's been on more laps than a napkin I was like oh this is exhausting but what was interesting to me about the commentary on this one is they talked about Marlena and they talked about Terry and I think that that's something that we're, we're going to start seeing a lot more of as the Attitude Era goes on but just this idea in order to embrace that as a viewer, we have to understand that we're watching a show, but also we're watching a sporting event, and also the characters play people that playing characters. There's a lot, a lot of layers. Go a lot of layers going on to that. Yeah, no, um, that makes sense because, like, right, they were showing like the playing on the beach footage and all this stuff. Um, they were interviewing Goldust, and like it's so funny seeing Goldust's face, how changed it is now. Yeah, like he really has bags under his eyes. Well, he's he's had a rough life, yeah. man. Rough go of things. So Goldust is in total control for a good amount of this match. Um, I think they miss an opportunity as well when Marlena slaps Pillman outside. I thought that should have been the ending of the match, and on the DQ there. But they seem to be not caring about anybody interfering about anybody. Tonight, yeah, there was some tonight. weird officiating happening. Though I do think Marlena was doing some great, like, freak out outside the ring work. Like, oh my maybe god, he really... chased her. But it really, not even that part, but it's even, like, um, adding drama to the near falls and things. Like, screaming and cheering and, like, really feeling invested. Like, there's, like, real, like, really at stake. Like, really making me feel like she was concerned about having to go with this man for 30 days. Well, because he gets to rape her if he. Which is, like, her. truly, like, not even. 
casually implied. It is like almost like clearly stated the oh, entire yes. time. They're like, you could be your sister for, for 30 days, which means he will stick his dick in her whether she likes it or not for 30. And I'm like, God, God, Wonder what they're God. doing in, the, in that car. Wonder, oh, they wait for the yeah. Well, are we talking about the end, end of the match? Sure, we sure. can. Yeah. So Marlena has a brick in her handbag, goes to hit Brian Pillman with it. Pillman grabs it, hits Goldust with it. Knocks him out, gets the three count, and then forcibly drags her out of the ring, which you cannot do even to your personal assistant. Correct. You or, cannot throw them in a car. Or maybe, are you, or maybe saying you could in 1997. I'm not sure. Are you saying this is an unsafe working environment? But also, you know what? They're in Louisville, Kentucky. So you know what? In Louisville, Kentucky, 1997, I'm guessing there was a statute on the books that said that you could do this. That's how um, you hire only, an assistant. Only if you're cousins. <laughs> someone someone that interviews. A Lawler, that was a Lawler level joke, and I feel bad about it, actually. <laughs> Uh, someone interviews with you, and then if you if they've got the job, you grab them by the hair and drag them out to your car. Well, first you club them over the head. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Caveman style. Um, I feel like, now, you might think that the brick was kind of a setup. I thought the brick was just to freshen her makeup. You know, every every girl needs a good brick in her purse. It's a pumice stone. That purse was empty. Fully empty, Save except for, for just one brick. I wish I would tell you this is the last time you see a brick in a purse in this programming, but it is far from the last time you'll see a brick in a purse. I know what to expect now from this. But, but then even after, like, the announcing is super weird because, yes, we have to condemn Brian Pillman, but also Marlena attempted to hit him in the face with a brick. Mm-hmm. This yeah. is true. King was the voice of reason in Brickgate. I, it happens rarely, but, you know, a clock is right twice a day. Or but a broken then, clock. But then King spends the entire rest of the night picturing what's happening, picturing Brian Pillman's sinewy muscles as he takes his shirt off, and running his hair okay. through his long hair. Oh, that hair, that's not long. It's not that long. It's, it's not too long. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think his eyes pop when he's like, oh, no, never mind. But still speaking about the king, or at least relatives of the king, we have Scott Putsky, and I can't believe they let him keep that name until I looked up a little bit of history of him, versus Brian Christopher. Brian Christopher, who comes out licking his biceps, as we all do. Well, his whole thing is he's too sexy. That's his whole, too sexy. That's that's his whole uh, shtick. I'm glad he tells us because I didn't see it. Oh, I get, I got, I got a whiff of it. I got yeah. a whiff of it off that little, off that little piglet boy. He looks like a little piggy. <laughs> That's a face only a broadcasting father could love. <laughs> Before we move too too far past, two things about about the Brian Christopher thing. First, they were calling him Jerry's kid, which that sounds like a uh, a disability slur. Yeah, th- no, well, it was... they brought that up too. Did they say yeah, Jerry's yeah. kids? Okay. Uh, wow. Um, the other thing is, did you see in one of the Raw's prior, one of the matches he had, he did the full, like, stroke, stroke, my gum is a gift to you all. Like, he did a full jerk. Did you just call jizz gum? My gum. My gum. You, you did say that with a very weird accent. <laughs> well, it's because I, I, I was like, working it through in my mind. <laughs> yeah, the the stroke, stroke, my jizz is a gift to all of you. Like, he did a... An elongated jerk off motion. There's a lot of jerk off motions working their way into these um, scenarios. They're making me feel things. They also started. They definitely brought out the F slur for him. Oh yeah, and I mean also yeah that that there's been a there's a few. Shawn Michaels. Anytime Shawn Michaels is uh, as a heel, gets a lot of that. Okay. Um, And Scott Putsky is the son of Ivan Putsky, 
the Polish hammer, which we all know the Polish hammer is a screwdriver that is used to fasten a door, screen door on a submarine. <laughs> Aaron, I liked that. <laughs> I liked it. What is the deal with the king not acknowledging that Brian Christopher is his son? And I was trying to figure it out, and I honestly don't know. They just didn't. That was just the shtick. Well, that's the thing. It was like, it sort of was acknowledged, but then not. He lets it go when they comment on it in previous Raws, but like in this one, they come out and just kind of say like, well, you know, what are you talking about? He's not my son. Why would he be my son? It made no sense. Yeah, I don't get it, but that's, it's definitely it's the gimmick. Like it's that's the plan is that it's Jerry Lawler's son, but Jerry Lawler like doesn't want folks to know because I, I don't know if he doesn't want to give him a leg up. I don't Nepotism. think it's ever fully explored. Um, but that's the game they're playing. It's a not fun game. Yeah, I don't think it's very fun either. Well, I mean, it's the king who also tells the story about how Scott Putsky was with a girl in a car, and the girl said, "Get in the back seat." And Scott Putsky said, no, I want to stay up here with you. And then the king laughed to himself and said, he's so dumb because of the story that he just made up. It's like, yeah, it's more more Polish jokes. Mm. The only thing I remember about Scott Putsky um, from my childhood is that he made enough of an impression on me that I took my, when I had my wrestling figures, which I believe I still might have had up to this point. I guess I had that. Oh boy, I'm re- I'm just about to, I just revealed something. Bring them out. Realize. Bring them out. <laughs> but when I still have my wrestling figures at this point in seventh grade. Um, I guess we're getting to the heart of why I, seventh grade was so hard for yeah, I was like, I didn't he realize. I bullied a lot. I don't know why. I didn't realize when I started this sentence how that, that was sad. Um. Okay. This is like Prince of Tides. When I used to go to school and I had all my wrestling figures in my backpack, <laughs> I don't know why all the kids made fun of me. But I had to like rebrand my Ultimate Warrior was then Scott Putsky in my mind. I it's so funny because when I saw him, I was like, he's got a real Ultimate Warrior without yeah, the I, makeup. Vibe. I, I rebranded in my mind. I was like, now he's him. But I I can't. But it had to be now because Scott Putsky's career was only like literally this long. Well, because Scott Putsky's match, uh, he's no ultimate warrior. He, his match lasts about four minutes and a horrible, horrible accident. I thought you meant because he wasn't a homophobe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. He's no ultimate warrior. No, oh, thank God. no, no. Huge homophobe also. Oh, right. That makes he's, sense. Oh. That tracks. Yeah, but you know, he's a Polish homophobe. So <laughs> he hates words that sound the same. <laughs> It's like I knew that's where you were going with it as you were saying it, and it still felt so good when we got there. Um, yeah, at, at you know four minutes into the match, Brian Christopher tosses uh, Scott Putsky out of the ring, does a nice like over the top rope like uh, plancha, and dislocates Scott Putsky's kneecap in a very real, very obvious way. I, I thought I was it like, was Whoa. I thought it was a, a bad finish, and then I was like, oh no, this is a real thing. Yeah, oh yeah, his kneecap is like halfway up his thigh. You were like, ah, they kept showing it. I know it was gross. So good on them to be like, I don't know, Lawler got there and say some shit. And he was like, ha, ha, ha you're hurt. Ha, ha. Like, what are doing? And, and Bobby is not exaggerating. That is literally what he said. I was like, what? Are, what? Huh? What? By the way, uh, I just want to say that Putsky looks like he walked off of like a Harlequin novel cover. You know, oh, yeah. Like he's, oh, he's got a real Fabio vibe. I would break my no long hair rule for Scott Putsky. I mean, even oh. in pain, he looked good. Here's something I learned, though, um, in my research for this. I did not know that apparently another wrestling female personality said much later that steroids shrunk Scott Putsky's dick smaller than a Vienna sausage. Oh. So you're welcome for knowing that now. <laughs> she should have said kielbasa. 
Well, smaller than a kielbasa. That's not. That's not, no shame in that. In that game, Vienna kielbasa. <laughs> Warsaw kielbasa. <laughs> smaller than like a third of a pierogi. We are no longer going to be welcome in Greenpoint after this no. airs. It's all right. They've got a bunch of uh, white supremacists there anyway. Okay. There was, a, there, was a, there was a thing there at, a, at a restaurant there recently. Come on, man. Keep up. Well, from white supremacists to the nation of domination, we go back to Raw. First, can we talk about Brockus? Sure. I would love to talk. So, I mean, we don't have to talk too long, but from what I understand, does does Brockus ever show up? Yes. When? Because... In a while. First of- so so right now, Brockus, and has been for a while, has been doing a lot of house shows and dark matches kind of thing. Okay. He is going to be farmed out to ECW for a little bit of a run, and then we're going to see him maybe twice in our whole purview. And never on a pay-per-view, I don't think. So I think we'll only ever see him. Oh, once? Okay. Um, the funniest thing about Brockus is that every time they do a Brockus promo, it just sounds like like a German language exercise. My name is Brackus. Freut mich Sie kennen zu lernen, Brackus. Ich heiße Eric. Woher kommen Sie? Ich komme von Deutschland. Ich komme aus den Vereinigten Staaten. Mein Gewicht ist 300 Pfund. Äh, das ist gut zu wissen. Und wenn ich nach Amerika zu der World Wrestling Federation komme und Hunter Hans Hensley in den Ring kriege, Nochmal bitte, aber langsamer. He's basically just like, my name is Brockus. I come from Germany. I weigh 300 pounds. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. Wait, are you learning German right now? I've already learned German. <laughs> what? I know, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> uh, yeah, I studied German. I lived in Germany for like a summer. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's like, yeah, Levels. that was the second language I learned. Levels, man. So to go back to the Raws, um, in the time leading up, Slaughter is really pressing his authority with all of these factions and kicking out anybody who is not a part of these matches, making them leave ring size, even making uh, the, uh, I almost said Daughters of the American Revolution, what is uh, <laughs> the Disciples of the Apocalypse, remove their bikes from the side of the ring. Um during the August 4th, out of nowhere, it's Ahmed Johnson versus Chains, and the entire nation of domination at the end of the match starts stomping down Ahmed for reasons. Because he's bad. Good riddance. I did like kind of that Farouk is being set up as a paranoid leader, I think, in that there, and that Ahmed is... Maybe the most over besides him out of the group, even though he probably shouldn't be. But anyway, so the following week, Farouk is facing Chains. The ref is knocked out. It looks like at first Rocky is there. Rocky Maivia shows up maybe to wake the ref up and, and help him out, but instead hits Chains with the rock bottom. Also, he is wearing loafers without socks. Oh, yeah. He's out in his full, like, uh, Resort wear. I was gonna say like um, yacht yacht gear. Actually, was this what you wore for sailing club? Was that <laughs> was that the outfit? He... No, you need to wear white soled shoes so that you don't scuff the uh, the edge of your skiff. Oh, I hate how accurate that sounds. Yeah. No, uh, I used to rub the edge of my skiff on the bed. In fact, that's what Brian Christopher was doing. Is he was rubbing? <laughs> it was an elongated skiff rub. 
and then his gum was a gift for all. <laughs> so the following... <laughs> he had these gummy pants. So the following week, the Nation of Domination comes out. Farouk says, Ahmed Johnson is a white man wanting to get out, which... What? Yeah. Yep. But then Rocky Maivia gets the mic, and for the first time, we start to see seeds of the man who would become The Rock. This was a genuine surprise to me, and it's funny because um, there I, I'll mention another point where um, you know, there's another there's another part that I want to talk about where where I'll talk about like my perspective on this because it's weird, right? Like you. I know who The Rock is. I've seen later Rock. I've seen the gifts. I've seen all of that stuff. Um, and then I and then I've been watching Rocky be a fucking turd up until now. And you guys have been like, "Oh, the Nation of Domination, super important, super important." And I was like, "Okay, but like, why are they that important? Because everything I've been watching them do is." kind of like mediocre like yeah. it's it's like it, relatively it's, lame stuff. it's mediocre to dog shit yeah yeah exactly and like i was like maybe i'm just not getting it and this is like supposed to be along the lines of nwo stuff and like i should just appreciate it for like for its being ahead of the time or whatever and i will say everyone who is in the nation of domination at this point is great yeah, we're about to, things are about to take a big turn for the nation. Yeah, and that's and and yeah. So for me right now, I don't even know who most of the people. I know that you said like D'Lo Brown is in it. Is mm-hmm. I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him wrestle. I don't know what's going on. So for me, seeing Rocky join, and then the subsequent weeks where he would come out and cut promos with them, I was like, oh my god, this is how he finds the Rock. It's like I I didn't realize. That he had to make a heel turn to find the genius of The Rock. Yes. Oh my god, it was so good. Where I think that that kind of has to happen for pretty much everybody. I can't think of anybody that I love who didn't have a heel turn where they were kind of able to find their voice a little bit. Even like early John Cena, like Doctor of Thugonomics versus later I, I don't know if i'd call him a heel but no he was no johnson was is, has never been a heel mm-hmm. um yeah i'm trying to think of other ones but i i, I think there's something to that i mean even back i mean even becky most recently you know what i mean like becky had that very short heel turn but that's what ignited her as the, with this attitude and and personality it's that, dope to play a bad person yeah bad guys bad guys have more fun it's and especially in wrestling, right? Like yeah. that's like you Usos. I can mean, the list goes. The I mean, list goes you on. Get, you'll get the New Day. The New Day became what the New Day are because they were amazing heels. And part of it is yeah. Part of it is overcoming heeldom, being so good at being a heel that eventually people can't help but cheer for you. Yeah, Kevin mm-hmm. Owens. That's actually not to get back to the Brian Christopher thing. Whoa. But like, no, we're past that. Damn it. <laughs> no, but like, I was I was actually asking myself that question because like Brian Christopher, I was like, I hate this guy. But I was like, it, do I hate him? Does that, if, if my hating him, be, it, it, is that, does that mean that he's a good heel? Or it probably Unfortunately, means, yeah. It probably means he's a really good heel. But yeah. I was like, are there maybe there are better ways to be heel? I don't know. He got everybody to hate him. He's doing a really good job. He's definitely in the Lawler school of of heeldom, where he does a lot of like you know just really 
annoying heal shit. Yeah. As opposed, there are there's different levels of heal. Totally. There's folks who cheat. There's folks with ego, whatever. But I think what's important, Brian Christopher too, is Brian Christopher at, least, at this point especially is a good wrestler, and that's the thing too. It's like he's also like fun to watch. Does he go somewhere? Does he like keep going? Yeah. 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 He, they'll, you'll have a lot of Brian, and he'll have he'll go through different gimmicks and. Interesting. Okay. But he's around for a bit. No more Brian Christopher. Sorry, this is Brian Christopher talk. Well, but stopping talking about Brian Christopher means we have to talk about this match uh, from yes. when this was. Oh, this was. A okay, now for context, this is only the third ever televised triple threat match. The first ever just happened. The first ever televised WWF triple threat match was on a Raw on June 23rd. So now we're in September mm-hmm. of the same year. And so they have not figured out how these matches work. It was adorable when they put the rules for a triple threat match up on the screen. They they had no idea how to pace this match. How we're used to seeing them right. now where like someone is incapacitated and two people fight that someone's incapacitated. They, they just didn't have the rhythm. They would literally start covering a guy for a pin while the other guy was like just there. And I'm like, they just didn't figure it out. They really just did not know what they were doing. And I, I don't want to blame the folks in the match so much, though there was a few spots that were like that neckbreaker. That Savio Vega attempts on Farouk. It's one of the worst botches I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He comes off the ropes to do a spinning neck breaker, but Savio spins one way and Farouk spins the other way, and it looks it defies physics. It's <laughs> it's a really embarrassing botch from two wrestlers who absolutely know better. Yeah, um, that was really bad. Oh, the ending was lazy. I did just realize during this match that the. Um... The Disciples of the Apocalypse are a Hawaiian motorcycle club. Huh? I didn't catch that. Got, I know Crush has a Hawaii. Well, it, a Hawaiian. it says um, uh, Disciples of the Apocalypse on the back of their jackets, and then it says Kona underneath. Oh, I saw Kona. I think they're so they're like Sons of Anarchy, but with more pineapple. I feel like Kona might have been Crush's original gimmick. Are you sure you saw it on just um, it was all on, of them? On, it's on all yeah, of their backs. I saw that. I want to say his name might have originally been Kona Crush. That's kind of good. Um, and he's like beloved in Hawaii. Yeah, Kona Crush. He was originally Kona Crush. Though it might have just been a shout out to. I don't know if that means they're all from there. Or that was just a homage to their leader. Or I mean, do, does anything no, ever happen? They're to chains? all from Hawaii. Does chains ever go on? To chains is a pretty good wrestler, and he was um, really big in ECW before this. Okay. Set up. I forget. What, I want to say his name was Brian Lee in ECW, and he was he was a good wrestler. Because I, I couldn't name any of the the other two Skull and Eight Ball. It doesn't matter. I can't believe that. I, I know this honestly from Skull memory and Eight Ball. Definitely are the two guys from Power Rangers. <laughs> oh my god! And then um, Los Bariquas were Savio Vega, Miguel Perez, Jesus Castillo, and Jose Estrada. By the way, I didn't realize. I, I don't know either of your birthdays. <laughs> Every time they said, they would be like, Boricua. I was like, what? And I was like, man, I always felt weird about saying it. And then I was like, wait, the way they're saying it sounds familiar. And then I realized it's that Nore song, Boricua, Onena, Dominicana, Colombiana. It's, uh, it, it means Puerto Rican. Okay. They're just the Puerto Ricans. Boricua. Yeah. <laughs> there they are, the Puerto Ricans. Very, very sloppy. Um, those backbreakers down the end, just like rolling them off of their knees. Though I was very surprised that it ended with a clean win for Savio. Me too. Because Farouk is obviously the biggest star of the three. Even at that point, they knew that. Sure. And um, 
crush crushes the face. The face. So you would think that so like, because he's white. So well, yeah. So why give it to? So it just didn't make any sense. I guess I continue the 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 storyline a bit. But yeah, man. T- to me it seemed like I was like okay, like the ending to me I was like it sounded like do not want. It sounded like they were just like okay, well you have these two giants and then they're just going to nullify each other and Savio Vega is going to profit off of it. Which, like, fine, but, like, honestly, I didn't care about this match. Yeah, I'm honestly fine to move on, because I, the less we talk about it, the better. And honestly, I'm really excited to talk about what comes next. Yes. <laughs> you talking about the Cause Stone Cold Says So video? Oh, no, that was great, though. Oh, man. Which, but did you guys notice that there was not the, this number is no longer active tag over the phone number that you can call to order that video? No, did, did you call? call? I, not yet. Oh, should we call right now, I, live on air on speaker? I think we should. Okay, do you have the number written down, or do we have to... Yeah. Okay, cue it up. What did I say? Someone answers. Um, so I'm looking to order the... First of, all, yeah, first of all, we should giggle. <laughs> I like one cause Stone Cold said so I video, please. Ask them if they have it on DVD, just in case. Do you have it on Laserdisc? <laughs> I'm so worried that somebody's going to answer this phone. It's, like, a, it's an 815 number. It's They're definitely running a business. It's busy, man. This, <laughs> People are ordering these right now. This thing has been ongoing. I think that means that the phone is no longer in service. But Boo. Right? All right. Well, that was sad. That was a really good idea. And I, good I, I, from now on, we should try to call every number that's on here. <laughs> Eventually, we'll get somebody. I really can't wait for our, our three listeners. To... Bruce Pritchard is just going to pick up at some point. And then from the Stone Cold video, it goes to all the dignitaries are here tonight, like the U.S. boxing team, and nobody else. And well, the list. For their, they're there for the Muhammad Ali something or something, something, something. So now comes to a segment where I have literally no idea how I'm supposed to feel about this. About the 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 minis? El Torito yeah. versus Max Mini. I fucking love this. I was like ready to be like mad. I was like, because like they will do things with little people in the Attitude Era that are purely exploitative, are very offensive, and are bad. Yeah. This is a big part of Lucha Libre culture. And to me, this was the second best match of the night. And I, I, I say that completely sincerely. Best? Yes. I, mean, I would say maybe it, it was it's somewhere in the top three. I liked it better than the championship match. Okay. I, I, I loved it. Okay. I Matt, thought this okay. Was, First off, Max Mini is phenomenal. This is fucking yeah. – so no, they had the best spots. It was doing – the crowd was hot as hell for it. And it – like, yes, parts of it were silly, but they were silly on purpose. Well, the, and the ass biting. And they were in on the joke. And, like, and the joke worked, and it was just enough that it, it was – I loved this. I thought this was a great What's segment. What's the joke? Well, just, like, it was – they were, like, being kind of, like, clowns. It was clown, clowns. It was, clown. it was rodeo yeah, clowns. Yeah, it was clowning. And it, it was, was – rodeo clowns. But they were doing it in the way he jumped into Lawler's lap, and he did that. And give credit to the audience in Kentucky – to pull out the Jerry's Kid chant when he's on his lap is so no. fucking funny. That's funny. That's that smart. is so fucking funny. That's Did funny. not expect that from a 97 crowd in Kentucky at a WWF event. Yeah. Very good. Uh, and I thought this match was truly, honestly, this was my this was my favorite thing to watch, I think, this whole night. But I think it, it was my the second best match of the night. You're right. I mean, it definitely is Lucha, Lucha Libre. I wrote basically it's Lucha Libre because that every, like, I feel like they probably every night they do one of those matches, right? It's usually like five guys. Or sure, six yeah, yeah, guys. yeah. Um, I yeah, I felt conflicted about it, but, but I but like the, it. but like the 
but the spots were really good. The spots were so. That's the thing is that the her piranhas were amazing. That fucking springboard diving moonsault to the outside was the best spot. I mean, no, that's not true because there's one spot tonight that's obviously the most famous, but it's one of the best spots of the entire evening. It's one of the best spots we've seen in the pay per views we've watched for the last year. It was. I, I, I thought this was. I, I'm thinking about because take this in because it will get worse <laughs> for the for the little people who are wrestling in the WWF. It will get much worse and much more embarrassing and terrible. And this I thought actually was treated with a fair level of respect. Yeah, no, that's. I think that's fair. I it. I was won over later on. I was at first. I was like, I felt like, oh, what are we doing here? This is. I mean. I'm not gonna make. I'm not gonna say like what they do in lucha libre is wrong because like you know that's that's they have a culture of it whatever. Sure, and I love the fact that these guys are able to do what they do and are given yeah. a platform to do what they do. I guess it was more me worried about where 1997 WWF was going to go with this. Yes, and yeah, that, that it took that a while a for me to um to grow accustomed to it and to enjoy it. But I will say they brought me on board. They won me over by the end of the match. I, I agree. By the I ass biting. The ad, it's, that it's part silly. I mean, I, it, it's silly, but I feel it at no point did it feel like these two performers were not empowered and felt like they were like doing what loving what they were doing, you know? True. Yeah, also I I it's like it's possible that all of that stuff could have been done with you know, uh what would you say? Bigger size wrestlers who come from that that tradition anyway. I mean, look, there's there's you know, uh, I mean, you there's can New see- Japan pro wrestling wrestlers who are very clownish and do a lot of clownish. Joey things. Ryan flips people with his dick. Right. I mean, like right. he flips people with his dick. And if you think you wouldn't see gold dust biting someone on the ass, I mean, like these are things that do. And I feel like it was the way the pace of the match moved, the way it was played, the way they played to the crowd. I it felt like they were empowered and doing what they do in a way that to entertain people, uh, and it was circusy and clowny. And I, I I thought though it was a great blend. Like there was obviously like very silly lowbrow humor moments. There were just like simple easy easy joke things. But there was also great athleticism that was like really impressive. Yeah, it was really good. There was really good athleticism, better than a lot of the stuff. Oh, uh, uh, better than most of the everything matches. up until that point. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think better than the, the, what com- what comes directly next. But uh, yeah, I love this. Do we see Max Mini more? Yes, he gets rebranded. He goes through, I think, a gimmick change at one point. The Mini's around for a bit, and then and they'll always the WWF and WWE will go through phases with using little people. Does Max Mini become Rey Mysterio? No, and he also does not become Hornswoggle. <laughs> um, but it was interesting that there will oh, be wait. another El Torito at one point. There will be another El Torito in closer to this oh, is that history. like the Ultimate Warrior where they just kept dying from steroids and they just have to keep, <laughs> keep getting a new one, getting fresh ones? <laughs> this actually, the last one is uh, Clint Eastwood. He, he, he wants to be the Grand Torino. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Leave. Leave. His big move is he just calls everyone a slur. <laughs> and apparently has a movie that came out recently where he has a three-way with two, like, yeah, John Mulaney talked John about Mulaney. it on SNL. Yeah. Oh, I did not know about this. The Mule. We'll watch it at Bootleg Club sometime. No, good. Going back to Raw, JR's interview with Stone Cold Steve Austin on August 18th was perfection. 
Well, Steve, I want to thank you for allowing us to come to your hotel room here. I know uh, you've got a very busy and a very crucial 24-hour period here in Philadelphia. You're seeing a specialist tomorrow about your neck, but thanks for giving us a little of your time. Well, you're welcome for the time, but if you're here to ask a bunch of questions, you might as well start asking them. Otherwise, I'll throw your ass out the window. And it, 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 to cover the hotel room, this ain't a hotel room that I would stay at. You know, when I got hurt at SummerSlam and I got dumped on my head, no one called me and said, hey, Steve, you okay? And no one ever sent a card, nothing like that. Not that I would expect it, but at least I would, you know, maybe a call just to see what the hell's going on with the hottest damn wrestler in the world. But I got nothing. So the WWF seems fit to put me in a room like this with all this fruit and trash like this. You want a pear? You want an apple? You want, you want a banana or something? Yeah, make yourself at home, man. Well, but if you've got questions to ask, go ahead and ask them because I'm, I'm getting a little tired of you. It is just crazy to see someone who is that fucking talented. Just that keyed in to his character. Like, charisma doesn't even begin. Like, just the absolute, like, what a fucking once-in-a-lifetime talent. I mean, like, truly, I mean, we'll get there with The Rock later, but holy shit. Because, like, Shawn Michaels is also great, but Shawn Michaels is such an asshole, and he's so, like, doped up on whatever and just, like, full of himself that it, it gets in the way he to enjoy. Some of it. Yeah, you, it's hard to enjoy what he's doing sometimes. Steve Austin is a fucking legend. I mean, there's no. I, I, you just watch him doing what he's doing, and it's perfect. And it's he also great. like the emotion there. He seemed like he was on the verge of tears. He was literally almost paralyzed. I mean, like I know, I, is, I know, but like to give an interview in a way where it's still kayfabe, but he's still, um, he's still, you know, hitting that like real part. I mean, that's that's magic. That's yeah, talent. Yeah, that's that, what they strive for. That's like the sweet spot we hit all these things. I mean, you just think about... I mean, I think about watching movies where someone is paralyzed and I get emotional. Yeah. <laughs> so I can only imagine being at SummerSlam, thousands of people, you're doing your job in the middle of the ring and all of a sudden you're fucking... Par- I mean, like, that had to be for the toughest SOB to ever, you know, be step between the ropes. Even for him. This was great. I mean, like, this interview was fucking great yeah I'm, I'm kind of surprised he never got into like movies or did like you i mean know, he did, did real hollywood stuff well, let me tell you he did a lot of like walker texas ranger guest spots he was also i want to say expendables three let's see yeah yeah he made small cameos but you know what i mean like look obviously the rock has has surpassed everybody john yeah. cena also but like i don't know you see a lot of this stuff with yeah with, well, uh, but i mean austin, austin. just kind of like carved out a niche for himself and i don't know that he a couple things i don't know that he does anything other than the steve austin character ding 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 ding. he got the steve austin character to a t because it's such a heightened version of who he is ding 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 no i i agree with that i but like also i don't know a lot of those a lot of these guys can fucking brad pitt has been doing brad pitt Dude, but I also think there three was decades. because of where the Attitude Era goes and because of some of the reputation I think the organization the performers have, there is a bit of stink on them they have to get off. Because sure. wrestling at this point is not taken seriously. And it, it only gets a worse reputation as time goes on. In the next yeah. couple as it gets better the next couple of years, it gets less and less respect. Mm. It has the cultural cachet, but I don't think a Hollywood producer is gonna want to cast that, like some of these people who are doing these dirty things, who are doing it feels like stunt casting. To do yeah, it. and it just it wasn't even though it was insanely popular and huge cultural moment. It didn't have the main. It didn't have the crossover appeal in the. Same I think way. that's something that we'll have to revisit as some more as there's a little bit more mainstream things that WWE people are in. 
But even, God, don't wipe your nose, it pisses me off. There's nothing more quintessentially Steve Austin than that right there. Do you think he'll say that on his deathbed? Probably. (laughs) So it takes us to Louisville, Kentucky, where Austin is being called in to relinquish the tag team titles. So it started weird with Sergeant Slaughter doing a desk bit kind of thing where he's, he's talking about what's going to happen. And then it cuts to him in the ring. and That's Sergeant, Commissioner Slaughter, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Commissioner, Slaughter, Commissioner, Slaughter, Commissioner Slaughter has a lot more gravel in his voice when he's in the ring than when he's behind a desk. Well, he uses his indoor voice for being in an office. Also, his office doubles as a porn set. For sure. 100%. That ficus? Come on, man. That's covered in gum. (laughs) So Austin comes out and immediately I'm in love with everything that he's doing. My inner voice is like, yeah, fuck you, Vince. Fuck you, Slaughter. And that's in order, you jackass. Drop me, give me 20. Oh, that was was good. He's just, he's so fucking good. Oh I also God. like dude love saying with a pain, with a heavy heart and a pained pancreas. <laughs> what a fucking weird. Also, guy. so fucking good. I mean, like, let's yeah. not forget how fucking good he also is. Dude love, great. And then Jr. with his entire heart talks about how much it pains him to see Austin have to do this, and what does he get in return, Bobby? A stone cold motherfucking stunner. And I. Went back and watched that like three times in a row. Good old JR? Good old JR. Uh, and let me tell you, again, first of all, Steve Austin, still, neck, not okay. Even <laughs> still though JR. Dead physical. But this is one of the first times that we're seeing. This is also huge because Austin's whole thing becomes giving everyone the center all the time, regardless, like men, women, children, like literally anything, <laughs> like truly anyone and that was unheard of you didn't put your hands on the commentators like that this was very this becomes like a very big thing that like makes his character like a uh important defining characteristic of his character he also does that really funny thing where like after he after he gives him a stunner he like crawls on the floor does a little head wobble at him i I know (laughs) don't wiggle it no that was sable in the last one (laughs) that's it well so that's from those high highs I feel like then we get some low lows Oof. in this match. This match is a low, 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 low. But before that, honestly, no, that's not true. That's just a roller coaster promotion I'm on. Because <laughs> before the low, low of the match, you get a couple more high highs in the pre-match promos. I mean, the well, first we have one. Well, not first, but one of them we have is the Owen and Bulldog promo, which I have to say, I just wrote the note. It would have been better if they just cut after Owen. Like, I don't know why they go to Bulldog. The Bulldog's just like, yeah. Um, well, no, another no, thing. no, it baffled the shit out of me because he said something like, uh, even though he's from Oklahoma, he shouldn't have done that to JR. Do British people hate Oklahoma? Also, <laughs> yeah, um, it's actually is that canon? Oklahoma is still fighting the revolution against Britain, it's terrible. <laughs> Voldemort was from Oklahoma, nobody knew that. Read another book that's that's actually from a tweet <laughs> about Elizabeth Warren and how she's like Hermione. Like people huh? are like, I'm begging you, please read another book. <laughs> it was a tweet about how about like you know eight gifts that show how Elizabeth Warren is like Hermione, and someone was like, please, for the love of God, I'm begging you, read another book. <laughs> Nobody gets your point, Bulldog. Yeah, not good. Um, Headbangers also talk about hanging out Marilyn Manson in the MTV Awards. Headbangers, Does that happened. Headbangers talked exactly the way that I expected them to talk. 
I had a weird sexual thing for Mosh. We've not Thrasher. Did I? Okay, yeah. I can't remember. Sorry. As well you should out of the two of them. Yeah, yeah, If I had to pick between the two. Though I would fuck both of them. Is he the one with real. the rounder head? Yes. Yeah, he's hot. Yeah, he's hot. Uh, I thought the headbanger should have come out with Christine Todd Whitman. I thought <laughs> she should have been... It, it, <laughs> Their valet from here on it, out. It should have been the, the fabulous Thunderbirds role. <laughs> she shows up in like purple plaid pants. Like are like a... <laughs> Like a we used to have matches in my backyard, yeah. so I'm pretty good on this. I'm, I'm. We, me and my, we, me and my son used to take out the yeah. wrestling men, and we would mash them together and have the wrestling matches on the living. And room. then we made the Ultimate Warrior be Scott Putzky <laughs> later on. She goes by Governor <laughs> Governor Love. Gov Love. Gov Love. Dude Gov. Dude Gov is good. Um. Okay, so that's great. That one. The Godwins. Oh my God. The Godwins. I don't know what happened. They got how oh, they made the. It was like. Did you make her look like this on purpose? Did Henry Godwin lose both his front teeth? And oh. did someone carve stretch marks into Phineas? I was like, what is happening? I. You know what? I really want to know. How do wrestlers get tattoos so quickly and then wrestle? Because when I get a new tattoo, I am on it with like kid gloves for a literal month. And yeah. Not like do not, not that I exercise all that often, but you know, like not like working out. Not this month. I'm not. <laughs> what do you uh, What do you do when you bruise your spine? Do you Do you exercise right away or do you? I just go around giving stunners to everybody. Just... <laughs> That's actually what the PT guy do- tells you to do. You have to give five stunners a day uh, with a pla- with a, one of those rubber bands. Um, no, that's a good question. I also think of that sometimes. Also, they're like never shaved. Well, like, well I guess they're always shaved in general. They walk around always shaved. But. Like Kevin Owen, I feel like his tattoo keeps growing, but he keeps being on TV every week. And it, I'm concerned about your tattoo. Yeah, take care of that. But I'm sure they don't age well. Much like the rest of the wrestlers. Also because they're all going to be dead at 40. They're um, not here for a long time. They're here for a good time. It's true. Okay, so those are most of the pre-match promos. Wait, I want to say about Phineas. I don't know if if this occurred to you guys, but Phineas, his face looks like a kind of fatter version of uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Okay, I'm going to hold on. You, th- I'm going to take that, but I can top that. Oh. <laughs> his face looks like... The ogres from the Fraggles. I never watched the Fraggles. Uh, the Gorgs. The Gorgs. Hold on, while you okay. bring that up. Hold on, okay. pulling it up. Okay. I'm pulling it up. Yeah. It. Uh, uh, it literally. Hold yeah. on. There. Yeah, it tracks. Tell me that's not. Oh, give me a better picture of a face, people. Tell me that's not Phineas College. <laughs> no. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I got you beat. You think? I can, I can, I can one up that. So you, you have a picture of Fat Shinsuke somehow. Phineas Godwin's face <laughs> looks like the rock creature in Neverending Story. They look like big, strong hands, don't they? Uh, you're you're looking up rock biter right now. Just <laughs> I think mine's better. Uh, look at that. Look at that be face. quiet. Be quiet. As a neutral third party, I have to give this one to. Bobby and the Gorks. Hey! This is bullshit. Can we? Can we? First of all, I think Shinsuke Nakamura. Let's put a poll up on Twitter after this episode. That's a Shinsuke Nakamura face. That is. I can see with the styling, especially the hair, the face. Yes. All he needs is like the red, the the red. red, uh, uh, What is it? The mouth guard. Mouth guard. I don't want to know what would happen inside of like a skin tight red leather 
jumpsuit in Phineas <laughs> Godwin, I think it would immediately need to be burned. By the way, that redneck tattoo is definitely all um, stars oh, and bars, right? Oh, it is. It is atrocious. It is. I mean, it's even if it was done well, it would still be a gross tattoo. But it also looks like it was done by a six-year-old. Yes, and it's all. It's just. It's definitely because it was. It was actually his nephew. He's got a tattoo machine. Got it for his sixth birthday. It definitely limits the uh the kinds of people you will be able to meet in your life well he is also going to cover up that tattoo eventually yeah. will it say why no forever <laughs> how'd you know <laughs> okay so those are most of the pre-match promos but it is not all of the pre-match promos because we get what is technically a promo from the legion of doom though if they're not saying any actual words is it technically a promo <laughs> uh, that zen cone that we've always known it is just like it is Screaming in a way that I don't, I truly don't understand. I watched it a hundred times and I still do not know what Hawk is saying at the end of his promo. And what I would like to do is I would like to all watch it once and only once together. I would like us all to write down what we think it says. And then I would like us all to take turns reading in our own Hawk voice what we think this promo is, what we think he is saying. Just are, are we just Hawk? Because he says bucket about eight times in here. Correct. I think Animal, I understood. But Hawk, the end of Hawk's promo, I'm like, will be a what? And I still am not. He says what? I rush. don't want to know. And I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then that. But there's. Okay. So we just, we're just writing down what. Um, so let's watch it once and once only. Watching what, writing what both people say or just. Just Hawk. Just Hawk. Well, Godwins, I got a little story for you. You bring that bucket near us. I'm going to take your swiney. Big butts stick a both in a bucket and make it a lifetime. My dream. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, why don't you do go first? Okay. I'm gonna take your swiney big butts and make it a lifetime original movie. Oh, what a rush. (laughs) Eric? So, um, full disclosure, I watched this and when I, the first time I watched it, I rewound it. I watched it. I rewound it. I put closed captions on. Oh. Wait, closed captions could not figure it out. <laughs> it's like, it's like the unintelligible <laughs> they shouting. Did, yeah, they did unintelligible, and I was like, "Well, I'm on my own." Uh, well, Godwins, I got a little story for you. You bring that bucket near us, I'm gonna take your swiney big butts, stick a bump it in it, <laughs> and turn it into a lifetime. Latrine. I had to. It is Latrine, I think. I'm pretty sure it's Latrine. Basically, pretty what's sure it was Lifetime original movie. I, I I basically had the same. Th- I had the same thing you had. What's a bump it? But also no. I, I have because you're right in the first half. You're right in the second half. So it's well, which is my favorite part. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Anything. He's like Godwin's. I got a little story for you. You bring that bucket near us. I'm gonna take your swiney big butts. Stick them both in the bucket and make it a lifetime latrine. Stick them both in a bucket. Which, what the fuck does that any of that mean? First of all, I I understand swiney as an adjective, but I don't think it's ever used in a way that he's intending. You're going to take two butts, stick them both in a bucket, which makes no sense. And now it's a lifetime latrine? Lifetime latrine, he, I think he's trying to say like almost like a lifetime bedpan. 
Like, basically, I, like, it will be their colostomy bag. I thought he was saying, bucket. I'm going to, like, shove you both in this bucket, and you're going to be shitting in there until the day you die. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, think, that I think that's it. But no, but then, even, first of all, that hardly makes sense. They're well, not- it's a little bit like human centipede rules, right? Like, you, like the bucket is the is at the back. It doesn't make any sense. The bucket at hand is, tr- is like, the size... I, I buy more Cafe Bustello in a bucket larger than the bucket they're referring to. I've seen it. I I, uh, I was in your house when the It's, it's the, the only thing over. in my refrigerator. It was literally the only thing in the refrigerator. See? When you told me to help myself to anything in your in your apartment, I like sent a picture to Tim because I was like texting with Tim. I sent a picture with Tim and I was like, this is what I have to help myself to. And it was just a picture. It was a picture of an empty refrigerator with, a bu- with like a can of Bustello. I was like, help myself to anything. Yeah, we don't keep food in the house. <laughs> Um, but what the fuck? This is the I watched this promo a hundred times. I think when that bucket is your lifetime latrine, I think that's part of it. Is that it's gonna get full really quickly and it sucks. You're gonna <laughs> smell like shit all well, the time. Well, then he, he was he after it cut away, he continued, and I'm gonna cut a hole in the bottom of that bucket so that we can empty the bucket. We're gonna and have... then there's gonna be another resealable hole that we can put back on the bucket so you can put back in the bucket in the bucket. We're gonna have proper drainage in that bucket. We're gonna put your butts. And I'm like, whoa. Both of your swiney butts. By the way, um, what? the, the closed captions butts. did not know that they said swiney. I but think what a they, weird thing. They said, they said slimy, I think, in that. He it definitely said swiney. It was swiney. It's but swiney. also, that's not a word that people no. use. No. It's because well, they both. Thing. I understand, like wh- I understand, like linguistically, like what that what it means. They're hog and pig, but that's not. Uh, but that's Wait, not. Wait, oh, oh. I know their initials. <laughs> oh my god! I just figured that out, you guys. Also, is it a story? Because Hawk was like, "I got a little story for you." I expected <laughs> like yeah. a rising action, well, a denouement. Listen, there is a beginning, middle, and end. Okay, if the beginning. You, read- you bring the bucket near us. That's the beginning. Yes. That's the inciting action. Yes, uh, we're gonna take your swiney big butts, put them both in the bucket. That's the climax. Yes, and then the denouement is it's gonna be your lifetime latrine. And but if who you, changes as a person? If you've read the Joseph Godwins. Campbell's Hero with a Thousand Faces, <laughs> you know that journey. it starts with the inciting action, which is the the offer of the bucket. Then there's the refusal of the bucket. Then there's the trip to the underground, and then there's acceptance of the bucket. Right? Yeah, they is cross the, the journey, threshold. Is the journey <laughs> the journey of shit? Through yes. the bucket. Well, yeah. according to Dan Harmon's, got, okay. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. This match was not. No, my no. God, I, I I actually have like almost nothing to say about the rest of this match because it was boring as fuck. Everything was bad. The headbangers were the best part, which is crazy to say because Bulldog and Owen are usually the best part of any match they're in. They were well, not. They're barely in it. They were barely. Austin in Austin was the best part of this match. Oh, that's yes. very true. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, yes. I, I did say uh, Legion of Doom did have a good payoff on that bucket promo. They got to use a bucket, and they—you know—there was a point where they were hitting them repeatedly with the bucket, and I wanted to do the Simpsons like he's already <laughs> dead. But also, that bucket was made of straight up like a Reynolds Tip wrap. foil. It yeah. was Reynolds wrap. Yeah. Um, I liked Henry versus Animal. I thought that was a fun hoss fight in the middle, right there. If I was looking for good takeaways from this, um, and I'm glad the headbangers went over. Me too. I thought the Headbangers had the best title celebration I've seen yet. They were like running. There was a woman with oh, an amazing the one with nineteen ninety seven titties. Yes, the tit the with a with two D's, two soft D's. Those ditties, those titties didn't catch it. 
Uh, well, yeah. I, I was looking at Mosh. They were on their way. Yeah, they were basically on their way to the... I think Mosh had his shirt the, off. I was the, into the, it. The uh, concession stand. Thank you. They were on their way to the concession stand. They just... Hot dogs for everybody. I think, right? I really hope, though, that this is the last fucking time that we see... The Godwins? We tagged in two... Me- no, we oh. see the Godwins for... A- like forever, and they're going to be repackaged a little bit in the coming months. The but, newer Blackjacks. Um, but I really hope that this is the last fucking time that we see two members of the same tag team have been tagged in, and they have to fight each other. They, they I know they did it again. It's always stupid. There was it, there was a payoff one. There was a good payoff once with the headbangers. Was there? I thought it was. I thought when the headbangers, I, we talked about this on on another episode. I thought that was a fun one because it, it played into the headbangers' characters. This was stupid, but they also didn't play it for longer than a second, which yeah. I was like, okay, fine, but why? Why do it at all? This was fine. I'm over it. They won. It was a boring match. Going back to Jr. Jr. is upset. It's not right. Something's got to be done about it. And JR sitting there with ice on his neck with Commissioner Slaughter reminds me of any time at school like I break up a fight or like kids are super disrespectful to me and I'm like whining to an assistant principal and they're just like, yes, yes, things will be done but there's never going to be anything done. No. Poor JR. Poor, poor Mr. Benoit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Guys, it's almost summer. It's all good. <laughs> the school system is really what's on trial here. <laughs> So now we go to not the main event, but the world championship match, which let us all know that a title was not going to be changing hands tonight. Oh, boy. Bobby, well, tell us about the Patriot. I, w- I would really rather not. My, <laughs> my note is, could the Patriot be less charismatic? Was he whispering in his pack, like, in these interviews? And, like, what? He was in WCW. He was in New Japan. He has a pretty good, like, reputation as, like, before a solid you, ring Before worker. you get too deep into this. I want to say I had a real journey with the Patriot. Um, Great. I hey, we're here for no, it. That's I'm, literally I, why we're here. The and I was gonna I, I teased this earlier in the night where I said, uh, you know, like from my perspective, most of the time in my perspective, I'm watching stuff and I'm and I'm like, okay. I kind of know, you know, like I know that I, I sort of know where things are going to go. Like I, you see China. I know China's eventually going to, you know, be a bigger part. Um, you see all these people come out and they're nobodies at the time. But like, you know where they're going to go. Um, the thing about the Patriot was when the Patriot, when I, when the Patriot first showed up, I think it was like before SummerSlam or even like for one of the SummerSlam things. It was he was there for like a lot of the Canada versus America stuff. I was like, who is this guy? Fuck this guy. No as you said, no charisma, not interesting. Then, and I want to talk about this in the last episode, I caught the music. Yep. And the music, I was just like, you suck. You suck. You suck. And I was like, yeah, the Patriot is actually Kurt Angle. Well, that's the thing. I was like, it, my notes are a real journey. So <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is this, I, you know, it, to me, having, having like hints of what's to come or hints of like something that I know from current day in there, but a mask. So I don't know how it got there was like the most interesting mystery to me because I was like, who the fuck is the Patriot? I was so curious. I was like, He's getting such a push. He's got the Kurt Angle music. How did Kurt Angle get that music if 
if it's not Kurt Angle, because at first I was like, this is Kurt Angle. It has to be Kurt Angle. But Kurt Angle is six feet. This guy is six foot six. Also, Kurt Angle doesn't speak with that accent. So then I was like, what if it's, oh my God, is this, is this um, uh, Bradshaw? You said Bradshaw will have his like moment. You know, he'll go through a couple things and one of his next, he's one gimmick away from being a guy. I'm like, oh my God, what if it's Bradshaw? Bradshaw's about this. I love this so much because this is an example of Eric thinking way too much about something that he shouldn't. I was like, what if it's Bradshaw? Bradshaw is about that height. Like, he's got a weird Southern accent. The the body type seemed about right, although Bradshaw, I think, is a little bit, like, rounder, chubbier. I don't know. He's obviously in good shape. Um, So I was just like, I was like, oh, my God. It's got to be somebody. It's got to be somebody I know. How are the how do the how do we go from this is the like Patriot V for having, Vendetta right here? Right. I was like, how do we go from the Patriot having this music to Kurt Angle having this music? If it's not Kurt Angle, what the fuck is happening? He's waving the flag the way Kurt Angle waved that flag. What the fuck? And then this pay per view, they show him without his mask, but kind of like you see his face a little bit. And I was like, he's not, he's nobody I know. Correct. Well, what the fuck? He's, <laughs> his name is Del Wilkes. Jesus he's wrestled in New Japan. He wrestled in WCW. All into the Patriot gimmicks. This is like an established gimmick that he's been doing around the world. Yeah. But man, could not be less charismatic. I mean, like, this package was so boring. It sounded like he was whispering the entire time. Um, I don't really get, I don't know him well enough from his outside WWF days to understand, like, why he's wearing a mask. Why sometimes he's not wearing the mask? Like I just I don't yeah. I don't get the whole thing. It's very confusing. Right. It's a luchador thing, right? But yeah, then... it's but luchadors you never see them without their mask. Right, like, right. You, like Ultimo Dragon is at the beach wearing his mask. Like that's that's how it works. So yeah. it's very the whole that's why this is so weird, um, and boring and bad. He um, is well. He is. Well, and for, I feel like this okay, match is so medium. Before we get to the match. Um, Brett's promo, on the other hand, where he is going to be punching fans every time he's punching the Patriot. I love that to begin with. But then King talks about how um, when the Patriot is going to be punching Brett, it's going to be like all the fans are punching Brett. And I think that King thought that it was kind of like a virtual reality experience where all (laughs) of a sudden the fans would be in the body of the Patriot based on what Brett said. Well, the Patriot Patriot is such a blank slate that it's like, yes, you can imagine you are the Patriot. It's like the the new porn that they have where it's like, you know, first person perspective, POV porn where you're just like, okay, I will now wrestle Bret Hart. Also, I love and by love, I mean. It's terrible, but I love it. Sonny as a backstage interviewer mm-hmm. could yeah. not be less engaged, dressed like some sort of like goth Vegas showgirl. And she literally asks a question, and before he can even answer, starts looking at the camera and mugging. Yeah. Like just, <laughs> just so smiles, dis- just smiling just the whole completely time. Completely disengaged from anything he's saying. Like even she's like, I'm not listening. Like he's whispering into the microphone. I'm like, Am I having a stroke? What is happening? It bad. So bad. She's really she's really grown into the most downloaded uh <laughs> title i would say now i get it because like for a while i was like yeah yeah okay but now she's really she's really ascended this is her peak also i have in my notes um is the patriot a character from king of the hill because it does seem like a fake pro wrestler yeah. that would be on the king of the hill they get yeah. the patriot and that's exactly what he sounds like and that's how he talks and that's the volume and tone and accent that the character would have on king of the hill well i'll tell you 
Um, I will say the his one of the Patriots moves is the Patriot missile. Patriot this missile. This is some Desert Storm bullshit. The Uncle Slam. The Uncle. Slam. I like the Uncle. I like Slam. the Uncle Slam as a name. The Patriot missile is just fucking full on. Night, no, like, I like the Patriot missile too. I like Patriot missile. That, but that's also it's just. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a it's a fun name, but it's so. It's definitely like kind of rah rah jingoistic, but yes, yes, it's very. But uh, also he's military. Yeah, but but his he's name is yeah. He, like that's his entire shtick. Um, I thought this was a fun match. I thought I I would three out of five probably is where I would rate this. That's as fair. As far as it. Um, but again, I just don't understand why is Vader allowed to beat the shit out of Brett and throw him back in? And there's no explanation. It's just it's just there's none. It's just bad. It's just bad um, inconsistency. I mean, it's fun to see Ray- Vader do a run in. He doesn't do that many. Yeah, Vader's in the midst of like a bit of a face turn. Oh, is he? Yeah, interesting. Right now. Um. Yeah. I. You know, like. The thing about Brett is this is this kind of matches why Brett is very good because Patriot is not that interesting and Brett does this is like a typical Brett match where it's a lot of like ground and pound a lot of like working working arms working knees like slowly get up you work you you know you do an elbow off of the second rope all of this stuff that's just very kind of pedestrian wrestling but because it just keeps going, and you you it becomes this thing where it it looks like it's a marathon, and it's like a real endurance test in what they're doing. That at some point, because of the because the pacing is so plodding, as you get towards the end, you're like, you know what, I'm I'm more sold on this because like he did a lot of the same shit he always does. He he did the you know um, using the ring post for the figure four. Like all that stuff that and like you know it's it's all stuff that I've seen him do with Austin. It's stuff that I've seen him do with uh, I forget who else. Like Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels I mean, I, probably Undertaker. So like, not that interesting. But then you know, because just because they just keep going for so long and and like, eventually there are these like over the top moves that give a payoff to the plotting nature of it you kind of have a good feeling about the match afterwards like that that ending the i like the ending the screwy part of the ending was like you know was like whatever but the sharp shoot what do you mean the screwy part well the run in the the vader vader beating but i mean but patriot putting him in the sharpshooter and then then brett reversing it and getting him that was great the sharpshooter sequence was was amazing um and yeah. Patriot didn't tap, so I mean he still looks strong in that there. Right. If not that that really matters for this guy, but I mean I thought it was good booking. And then the post match beatdown and Brett literally choking him with the American flag. That, that was, was pretty cool. good. That, that was, was good. That I liked. Also, and then, <laughs> fucking uh, Kings. This is reminiscent of Vietnam. Oh my god! I was like King, you're kind of woke. Um, <laughs> it was. I was like this ending is very symbolic of the Iraq War. It was just like, you know, he comes in waving the flag and then he ends like being choked and it's going to go on for another 20 years. All I'm going to tell you, Eric, is keep in mind the finish of this match. The, the sharpshooter reversal thing. Just okay. save, uh, save it in your mind. I'm going to want to talk about it one day with you and I want you to like save this moment. Because one day I'm going to want to talk to you about it. Like during the Montreal uh, pay-per-view? Maybe. Okay. 
Maybe. Oh. There'll be a time when I want to talk to you about this. So this, just because this match feels very inconsequential, I just wanted to, to put a pin in that. It was an interesting, I mean, it was interesting to see him be able to break out of it and like the way he was like arranging the feet. Brett had quite a face as he was giving that sharpshooter at the end. His face had like, <laughs> the face that Brett has, and if you're watching on uh, the WWE Network, it's at 208.21. It's a face he gives that, like, I don't think I've ever seen from him before. He he looks like... It's a very specific face. <laughs> it's a face I have seen before, and I will oh. tell you where I have seen this face. When he's coming? When No, when, you're, when a when guy has drank too much, and it cannot come, and is like, no, I really, I can't, and is, going to, is determined to jerk off until they do. That is the <laughs> face. That is the face they make. That is the, I have seen it. That is the face. I think I might have made it once or twice. That's the face... <laughs> That's that what that face is. No, I got it. No, I'm almost there. No, really. Shh, shh, shh. No, don't move. Don't move. It's, that's the face. Yeah. What a, what a weird. And then his face goes back to normal. Because, you know, he's, he's a relatively handsome guy. Back is he? You think so? <laughs> I don't, I, mean, think, I don't think I don't think looks are what the hearts are known for. What ah. did you think about that, uh, that backstage interview afterwards? Did you clock anything from that? No, I don't remember it. Where everything's nothing but losers. All the losers in the world yes. are in the World Wrestling Federation, and they're all American. Think about that. No, figure that one out. Yeah, can't. Yeah, haven't been able to. He's tr- Still he's working right. on it. Lifetime latrine. And then Bulldog decides he needs to talk too. The only winners are going to be the United Kingdom and Canada. Are going to win this war. I can bank on it. I, Thanks, Bulldog. I wow. hate him. I hate him so much. I mean, I hate his. I hate everything he says. He's fine. He's great in the ring. So the build up to the main event has been going throughout the Raws. Sean is unrepentant for his actions, and honestly, I mean, I think they've done a pretty good job showing his side of the story as well. I agree. Like, I was saying it earlier, but I feel like this is a heel turn that makes a lot of sense. Everything. Um, tracks like all the stakes make sense and it may like the way that he goes through this process makes sense he doesn't show up all of a sudden he's like that's right i hated you all along and i don't need you anymore like which is how they do it i feel like now it is like us it unfolds over the subsequent weeks of like why is everyone so fucking pissed at me like, i was just doing my job i had to do this and they're still mad and they're like i can't believe you're still mad and like he just yeah you could it just makes sense yeah so knowing that the Undertaker is pissed at him and knowing that the Undertaker is after him, Sean decides that he is going to take out an insurance policy. And we see that through the August 11th Monday Night Raw, which culminates in the Sean versus Mankind match at the end of that night, which they kept saying that Sean versus Mankind was the match of the year last year, which I agree with, but the Slammies did not. not. Yeah, yeah, I had that note. I was like, that's weird. Also, I think Sean versus Mankind too was very good. Oh, no, this mm-hmm. was a great match. That might have been a better match than, I would say, 80% of the matches on this pay-per-view. I also think I love Sean. There's a big Sean is gay chant that happens. Yep. Um, I love Sean and Sergeant Slaughter together. Yeah. He, I, call, yeah. he calls uh, Sar- Commissioner Slaughter Commissioner Gordon at one point. Yep. <laughs> because they, it, even that's so funny because it's like so – like demeaning to like the commissioner like title it's like whatever but his their chemistry together is so good and we get so much of it which is great chin yep and some of him spitting like it's just sean 
being Sean being an asshole as a as his character is very convenient. Once because again, he is an asshole. Once again, it always is better to play the bad guy. Yeah, but also to be a heightened version of himself. Yeah, and he's right. an asshole, and I think that this is a really good use of his talents. Being a heel is fun. So as the Sean versus Mankind match goes on, which starts off with Mankind bringing in a trash can where he's almost immediately put into the trash can. But as that night goes on, first Hunter and China show up at ringside. Then later on, Ravishing Rick Rude starts making his way down there. Although the way that he's dressed, he looks more like Richard Rude, I would say. I would say he's like... Responsible Richard Richard Rude. Mr. Richard Polite. (laughs) Richard Gentile. So China distracts, Hunter trips, and Rick hits him with the chair, sweet chin music, and we're done. But this is one of the most important things of the Attitude Era right here. Wait, what? Wait, who? This was at the, who hits who with the chair? Rick Rude hit Mankind with the chair. Okay. Is this because it, be, it begins the Generation X? I Because all of my notes are like, is this the beginning of DX? Is this the beginning of DX? Yes. They're unnamed still, but this is the... This Rick, is, wait, was this Rick part. Rude in DX? Rick Rude is one of the original members of D-Generation <sighs> X. And it was really like Rick Rude had this contract there and was like hanging around backstage and was friends with Sean. And Sean was like, hey, we're going to do this thing. You want to do this thing with us? And he was like, yeah, sure, why not? Because he's about to depart for WCW within the next two months, I want to say. Yeah, he doesn't last for a while, but he's there at the beginning and it's important and it's awesome. It is awesome. I, you know, like starting to see all the pieces come together is really fun. You start seeing a lot more suck it. I, I saw on this pay-per-view, I think was the first time I saw Triple H give the suck it. Yep. Um, you also start to see uh, HBK does a lot of like the elongated blowjob dick. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's a big thing. I guess, I guess uh, that's where the fan who did it to Roman Reigns maybe got it from. <laughs> Uh yeah no it it again th- th- all the pieces are starting to fall into place seeing Rocky start to become more like The Rock seeing DX starting to form not that I ever really knew DX in its heyday but knowing that it was coming it's cool it's cool seeing all the pieces start to come together like this is a better version of Triple H yeah. Much less cool, though, was Rick Rude's promo at the start of the next Raw, where, yes, we get it, Rick. You're an insurance policy. Oh, man. You're an insurance salesman. Because first he does the... You're in good hands. Your deductibles. Gotta watch your premiums. You're you're in good hands with with me. What what was the other one? Like a good neighbor, Rick Rude is there. Peyton Uh, Manning was about to come down and do... Rick Rude is on your side. <laughs> uh, he actually was going to dress in green and be the Geico lizard. For a great low rate you can get online, call Rick Rude and save some time. <laughs> oh, that wins. We can't do better than that. So he's running some kind of protection racket. It doesn't matter. It's whatever. Brings us to the match tonight between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. And Could you call it a match even? Well... I do need to say, so Bobby was alluding to this earlier in the night. The Undertaker is involved in two storylines that transcend years, transcend time, are two, when you think of storylines, are two of the most important and most beloved and most 
in, gets people most and mostly invested. One is the streak, and you know the streak. Yeah. The um, WrestleMania streak. It's already started at this point, the WrestleMania streak. But the other one is the Kane. under... T- is what? I was going to say Kane. That's not, right? No. Um, I mean, that's that's super important and its own thing, too. But I, I think that's even less important than the rivalry between Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. We're looking at the first salvo of a 14-year story. What? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Um, and one that should have been, that was did have uh, an exclamation point on and should have like stayed that way, but they've kind of opened it up again because of Saudi Arabia and money, but whatever. I'm ignoring that. Uh, but it, it, it yields... It's kind of like people who uh, ignore Serenity that are Firefly fans. <laughs> or like Rocky Five. Yeah, yeah. Rocky Five. But it, it also yields some of the best wrestling matches of all time. Of all time. Including one that is widely considered the best wrestling match in WWF history. Into it. I'm into it. I mean, uh, there was a lot of buildup. I mean, can we can we start by talking about the the pro like all the stuff leading up to it because Oh the package? Those strings are stirring. I mean not the not even the package because like I I watched all of the Raws leading up and mm-hmm. there was a ridiculous chair shot to uh, Undertaker's oh, head that opened up his his skull. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, I I don't know. Was he bleeding? Was that a was that a real hit? I, I don't know. Was, it looks like he just got hit in the head with a fucking chair. It he got hit in the chair with a chair very hard. I think it was a blade job though. Uh, just based on where the it looked like the wound was mm-hmm. and how it was bleeding, it looked like a blade job. Okay, but I, I I honestly don't know for sure. But it looked like a blade job. It was it was I a mean, nasty tear shot though for sure. It was oh my god! I just I, I saw it. I was like that is crazy. That was a crazy hit. Um, not to just to not to gloss over it, but fucking Paul Bearer with the Kane's coming. He's coming. I was like oh yeah, and then we learned that Paul Bearer can also summon fire apparently. I guess, yeah. But well, we're juggling so many stories at once. It's unbelievable. It's actually masterful how they're doing it. Undertaker still has this thing going on with, with Kane and Paul Bearer. Undertaker is dealing with this thing with Shawn Michaels. He lost his belt to Bret Hart, and yet it all makes sense, and all the pieces are moving in a way that makes sense. I thought Kane. I thought uh, Paul Bearer was at, like in a bedroom being cuckolded, and he was just watching Kane and his wife. He's like, Kane's coming. He's coming. <laughs> Bobby has pointed to the door. <laughs> Get out. Um, yeah, this is incredible. And this match, if you want to call it that, incredible. The uh, brawl. I all mean, the, the basic, refs. I mean, like... They, so, just, they, they went through refs like Kleenex. <laughs> just, so just to catch everybody up, if you haven't watched this pay-per-view yet, basically, Sean starts... Try, I'm going to try and do this all from memory. I didn't even look at my notes. Because I watched this match like four times. I was like, this is fucking great. Sean um, starts the match hiding behind the referee. Undertaker does not want that so undertaker takes out the referee punches him in the head it's like bye you're not doing this anymore they didn't even ring the bell no bell hasn't even rung yet no Shawn michaels is like fuck this i'm out he's le- he's like i'm not fighting this guy i'm out of here so he goes to leave sergeant slaughter stops him and is like you have wrestled this match dude so before he can enter back in the ring undertaker gorilla press slams the referee undertaker and- throws the referee at Shawn michaels over the top rope onto the outside onto Shawn michaels it's Amazing. Undertaker goes out, beating up Shawn Michaels, fights him up to the top of the ramp. Shawn Michaels is trying to escape, hilariously, bangs on the door of the fake house of the Indians, which is 
Such a brilliant little spot. Which also at that moment, I started wondering, who organizes the fake plants in front of the house? <laughs> who did the like, landscaping? Somebody's got that job. He gets thrown into the landscaping. I mean, like, this. Well, that's also one of those things with Shawn Michaels that you're like, that's why he's so good. Like, Because mm-hmm. he knows how to do something that's funny, but also, like, doesn't feel, doesn't take you out of the whole thing. It was great. Yeah, yeah. So that spot of him knocking on the door, and it was amazing. I thought everybody in the house was just turning the lights off and hiding. <laughs> like, don't, like, don't just pretend he's not here. So they fight. They fight their way back to the ring. Uh, a second ref comes out, and I think he does a slow count at some point. So, he does a count that's too slow. So they ring the bell. Yeah. He does a count that's too slow, and so Undertaker, Undertaker choke slams him. Choke slams him. At that He's point, out. Rick Rude comes out um, with brass knuckles for Shawn Michaels. I do need to say, at some point, um, there's one point where Taker throws Shawn into the corner, and he flips over the turnbuckle with such force that it. He, he does a full flip. He falls off the turnbuckle, hits the side of the apron, which we know is the hardest part of the ring. Hardest, yes, as we know. And then rolls onto the ground and kind of almost like like gets up and is still kind of walking woozy. Yeah. There's also a point where like Undertaker like punches him once and he full-on tumbles down the ramp. Sean is bumping like crazy yes. for the Undertaker. He is bumping like crazy. So uh, Rick Rooms in Brass Knuckles gives him to Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels hits Undertaker with it. Triple H in China bring oh, down wait. a third referee. I'm, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt the flow here, but one thing I need to say, thank you, Vince McMahon, because at one point Vince says that the referee either has too much respect for or is yeah. scared of The Undertaker to go for the DQ. And why can't we throw a fucking line like that in every single one of these matches if you want to do that? That's he- all you have to do is come up with some kind of narrative justification for he it. He said it in a couple earlier matches, too, and I was like, okay. He's like, oh, refer- referee's giving a little bit of leeway here. I'm like, yeah, just do it. Back to... So, but, but, but to give justification for yeah. the leeway is, I think, the difference between the two things. So Rick Rude shows up. So Rick Rude shows up, brass knuckles. Mm-hmm. Sean hits him with the brass knuckles. Triple H and China bring a third referee down. Uh, third referee... Gets thrown out of the ring. Gets thrown out of the ring... And then I believe it's Undertaker grabs the brass knuckles who, that Shawn Michaels had put down his pants, then uses them on Shawn Michaels, makes a very weak cover, and one of the comatose referees manages to crawl over very slowly and do an incredibly slow two count. Uh, Sean kicks out. Everyone's mad again. Finally, a fourth referee comes down and is like, "This match is over. What the fuck? This is where we we're done. <laughs> yeah, we're done. We're bell. done." So it's a no. It's a screwy no finish. But they keep fucking fighting. Now Triple H and China are getting involved. Rick Rude's getting involved. Undertaker gives Triple H a tombstone pile driver. Locker room empties full of mid cards. Uh, China props up like um, Michaels, who's kind of not even, you know, there with it, give, puts a chair in his hands and starts aiming him like it's pin the tail on the donkey towards where he can hit Undertaker with the chair. Yes. That, I think, right? That, and then, and then yeah. more people come out, as you were saying. The locker so, room comes out. Locker room. I'm just trying to give a high-level overview of ev- what, so everyone knows oh, what I know. that we can I'm just saying pick. I love that part. So then uh, everybody comes down. They're, they're trying to separate them. The, as we've seen multiple times, these kinds of pull-apart brawls, the, the heels are trying to pull back the heel. The faces are trying to pull out the faces. They get Shawn Michaels out of the ring. They're holding Undertaker back in the ring. And for the very first time, we see Undertaker run 
towards the ropes. We see him, no hands, leap in the most beautiful tope you will ever see and take out all of the heels on the outside and Sean. And it is fucking shocking. Yeah, it was awesome. It is. And we and, and that's from people who we've seen it now so many times since then. But this is the first time, and you can feel the air being sucked out of the room. It was mind-blowing. I, and I had seen it before, and I've seen it hundreds of times since. And still, this was like, I felt like a little kid watching it. It was incredible. Yeah, um, actually, I, you know, a little behind-the-curtain stuff, uh, Aaron came over, and I was, like, just finishing up the match, and I was like, Oh wait! So did uh, Undertaker win? And, and Aaron's like, "I'm not gonna say anything." And then, as we're kind of setting up, I like look over and I was like, "What? What's happening?" And then I see this thing. I was like, "Holy shit! Holy shit!" It was just like, fucking takes everybody out. It was awesome. And it was just like the the sight of a man that, that size, size yeah. flying through the air like that. Yeah, it's inc- it's it's. We forget because we're so used to contemporary Undertaker who like keeps coming back and it's so sad every time. And we forget that in his prime, he was truly phenomenal. I mean, like he was a phenom. He did things that were, it was unbelievable, awe-inspiring to watch. Yeah. And this was one of those moments that was great. Um, So that's the high level overview. A couple of little things I called, I called out um, because it is, we're recording this during Pride Month. Um, Sean's butt did make an appearance. Yes. It was a nice butt. It looked like a good butt. Um, and Triple H at some point at ringside, there was a fan who was just yelling fag at Triple H just like relentlessly yeah. for like a segment that I was like, oh, Jesus, can we mute this? Like, come on and post. Can we take it down? Hunter gave him the suck it. Mm, yeah. That yeah. was all that it took for the homophobia to be off to the races. But also even earlier in the raw, when there was the Sean is gay chance, he like very quickly was like, why don't oh, yeah, you as, ask as your the... sister and your mama how gay Sean is? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it, it it it's a good heel turn. All of it went really well, and and you know, for for Hunter, who I don't think ever was a face, um, it's like there's a guy who you know found a way to become a better heel, or at least he's starting to find a way to become a better heel. But also, I feel like Hunter's a weird case, too, because um, in the Raws that were leading up to this, there was a lot of talk about how gutsy he was in that Mankind thing, or in the Mankind match at SummerSlam. So we're in the gray area now between faces and heels, and I don't think they know exactly what this D-Generation X thing is going to be. But I think that they know enough that what's coming is going to transcend the heel-face dynamic. And so they want to build them up as much as they can in this arena as well. Yeah, I get that. But this was great. Even with a screwy finish, it still felt awesome. And I was not disappointed we didn't get a finish. I was excited to see this keep going, which I think is like what you want in a storyline like this. Yeah, uh, if you if you had not said anything about it being like something like a 16 year uh, feud I would not have I mean I, I sort of realize it but like or I never would have thought it would go that long nobody who would who would um, that's awesome uh, I might find time to rewatch the match when I'm not under a time constraint yeah it's fun it's a lot of fun this was a good one 
So wait, so when you were saying that the that you thought that mini that Max Mini and uh, El Torito was like the maybe the second best. Mm-hmm. This well, was the best. This was the best. Yeah, the second. Okay, so you didn't really you didn't like the Brett and Pedro one that much at all. No, okay. I would put that number three. But interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was. I thought it was too plotting. I wasn't invested. I knew who was going to lose. It was obvious that Pedro was not going to win the title at this. He's not an interesting character. His neither uh, his move set is that impressive. Brett no. carried the match, and it just like it. Meh, it just didn't do it for me. Sorry, I was much more excited and enthralled by the minis, no. which is. But just for our listeners know, the minis is their branded division. I'm not just calling them minis. <laughs> I want to make sure that this are is little people said. Or yes, Minis Mini is the um, name of the division. Uh, one last thing to do before we take it home. For years, WWE hosted a yearly award show called the Slammy Awards, and we end each episode of Hell in a Cell Phone with our own version of the Slammies in a segment we call "For Your Reconsideration." Start things off tonight. Looking at um, all the rows of children in the front with the Austin 316 shirts giving Bret Hart the middle finger, I'm going with the Don't Try This at Home Award for all of the little brothers and sisters that 100% got Stone Cold Stunners that night. Good one. Uh, Especially if you have spinal trauma. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I'll do mine. Um... I'm going to give the High Society slash Patient Zero award to that one ref who was tending to uh, Scott Putsky. He had his rubber gloves on, but one pinky, like there was a rip in his in his rubber gloves. So just he had a full exposed pinky. And I'm like, well, I don't think this rubber glove should work anymore. Maybe try another pair. How much are they? Like 10 cents each? Um, well, this is the WWF in 1997, so they're trying to. Uh, they got a lot of a big pyro budget, so their rubber glove budget isn't quite there. The rubber gloves actually, they pull them out of a bucket of blood. <laughs> um, it's actually in the slot bucket. Right. But I figured maybe, maybe the maybe the the pinky was out so that he could, you know, keep his pinky out as he's holding his glass. It's in the lifetime latrine. It's in the lifetime latrine. Lifetime latrine uh, movie. Uh, mine is the Slammy Award for ha ha, which I'm going to give to Jr. for tickling Vince McMahon pink with the phrase "faction action." <laughs> what was faction action? Oh, oh my God, yes. Because Vince McMahon's like coming up. We have some action coming from a few factions. And Jr. goes faction action, and Vince goes ha ha, faction action. Yeah. And I was like, I'm so glad you liked that, and it, I, you deserve an award for that. Love us? Disagree? Want to leap at us from over the top rope in defiance of all gravity? Let us know. Email us at hellinacellphone at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at hellinacellpod or each of us individually. Eric at Prime Silver, Bobby at Bobby Hank, and Aaron at Slowpass. Our theme song is There Are Traitors in Our Myths by Disco Vietnam and our art is by Alexis Yavni. Find links for both in our episode notes. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you again for one night only. Just seeing you for one night.